You know what's going on, don't you? Yes. You always know. You just can't be bothered to tell anyone. It's like it's some kind of a game and only you know the rules. You knew all about that inscription being a computer program, but you didn't tell me. You know all about that old bottle and you're not telling me. Am I so stupid? No, that's not it. Why, then? I want to know. Evil, evil since the dawn of time. What do you mean? Nobody stop asking me these questions. Tell me! The beginning of all beginnings. Two forces only, good and evil. Then chaos. Time is born, matter space. The universe cries out like a newborn. The forces shatter as the universe explodes outwards. Only echoes remain. And yet somehow, somehow, the evil force survives. An intelligence, pure evil. That's Fenrir. No, I just milling the name for it. Evil has no name. Trapped inside a flask, like a genie in a bottle. Can we stop it? We need to get that flask. Podcast with me, Matthew, and as always, hello, it's Scott. <laughs> yes, it is Scott indeed. And this week we are concluding our Curse of Fenric deep dive with parts three and four. And I think I'm going to do something slightly different than what I do normally, uh, because normally if we're doing a two-parter, I'll do it on this day for both parts one and part three. This mm-hmm. week, um, I'm not doing that, and definitely not because I forgot to um just because i think it makes a more cohesive two-parter if everybody in part one just listens to the on this day bit and that's where the review the not the review the uh writing history is and then you lead into part two and we just jump straight into the episode so i think we should just jump straight ahead and with uh, episode three unless you've got anything you want to add um the only thing i have to add in this one is ian briggs knew but doctor famously sags in the middle you know there's not a lot happening here Ian Briggs is like, okay, this is the part where I want all the action to happen. It's the part where I want every, like, some li- nice little character moments. And we get some nice little character moments as a result, which is very rare for Doctor Who, because usually this is the part where they're running back and forth around corridors. <laughs> it is indeed. And there is some running back and forth between corridors. There's actually, no, there's some teleporting. Uh, yeah. Rather, <laughs> they cut out the corridors and they just went from point A to point B. Um but yeah, let's just jump straight in. Let's go. You're right. What is it? What's wrong? Tell me. What's the matter? I'll do anything. What's this? It is with deepest sorrow that I write to inform you that the ship on which your husband, Frank William Dudman, was serving struck by enemy torpedoes. Your husband was trapped in the fire. Has been listed as missing. Presumed dead. Please accept our sincere condolences. So the episode begins as every episode of uh, Doctor Who does with the Doctor escaping near danger. Although this time he doesn't really escape it as he does get interrupted. 
by yeah. another soldier <laughs> running in. Uh, so if you remember last week, uh, the doctor was with the big computer machine. It was going haywire and there was no way to turn it off. Uh, and th this is where we're picking up now. And there is no way to turn off the machine. They don't... Do, do they ever turn off the machine? I, I don't feel like know, they just kind of forget it's on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just realizing that now. I don't think they ever... Maybe it does come back, but I don't remember it coming back into the plot I, again. I, Again, as we said last week, there's a lot of juggling plot points. It's huh. hard to keep track of a computer because I watched this today. I can't remember if it comes back or not. Yeah, I'm, 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 pr I'm starting to think it doesn't actually come back. I, I guess we'll find out at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, soldier runs in, and the um, uh, the the captain, evil captain man, uh, is like, you know, go radio out you know whatever it is i need you to radio and that guy's like hey um you said to destroy all the radios so we're destroying all the radios uh and the guy's like what <laughs> why did i tell you to do that uh and they everybody goes running to the radios where we see a guy with an axe just chopping away he's chopping at a radio which as i messaged you this seems like a really ineffective way of getting like like it's well effective but yeah it wouldn't be my <laughs> first choice you know i'd cut the cables yeah, uh, and I, <laughs> I, I just love it for, you know, it's, it's silly Doctor Who, you know, it's as silly as Ace pointing to the dangerous sign behind her last episode. It's just silly camp fun, I would say. Yeah, it is, it's definitely silly. Uh, just <laughs> hacking away with an axe. Um, uh, and then, you know, he's like, oh, I've, d I've done it, sir. It's following your orders. I've destroyed all the radios. And the doctor's got this great line where he's like, oh, good. Well done, sir. Uh, or well, well done. Now put them back together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which annoyingly, we don't ever see that soldier's reaction. It would have been uh, great to tie it off with the soldier just looking like, uh, uh, you know, because yeah, he decided yeah. to hack them with an axe. It would be hilarious if we cut to the end of the next episode and he's still... At the very end of the episode, he's still working away trying to fix it all. Should <laughs> be like, how the fuck do I work? How the fuck do I fix this? And Knox went through it. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, the doctor, the priest, and Ace walk outside, and suddenly it's raining, and suddenly the doctor has an umbrella. Um, I'm going to guess. Well, I mean, the, the seventh doctor is always. Oh, he's always carrying, carrying it. Yeah, he's always carrying. Yeah. it. I just forget it's an umbrella. In my head, it's always like a walking stick or something. Um, yeah, but in my head, this is because it was raining on the day and they didn't yeah. have any other time to shoot. And they were like, we're just going to have to deal with it. It's just raining in this scene. You um, know, as we said last week, they're dealing with all kinds of weather. Rain, snow, wind. It's, it's not a good shoot. Yeah, and it um, unfortunately creates a, a, a big, a, a little bit of a plot hole later on uh, regarding the weather. Uh, because it is it is raining right now and there is a yeah. line coming up where the doctor says, it is not raining. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I guess, I guess he could be right from thinking, oh, it's not raining right now, but, you know, it would still cause a flood because it was raining half yeah, an hour it, ago. Yeah, it was raining mere <laughs> moments ago. But, uh, but believe it or not, the, the guy recording the sound was not happy by the scene because of the constant hitting of the rain on the umbrella. It is loud. It is, although I, I found it quite... Uh, I, I'm a big fan of rain on film and TV because it makes me feel cozy watching it, you know, and that, that almost ASMR feel of the rain hitting off the umbrella was just like, ooh, I feel warm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is also where we get some interesting information about the vampires or the, uh, what are they, hem he hemorrhoids? No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just making hemorrhoids. 
Hermavoids? Hemorrhoids. Uh, yeah well we find out that these vampires are actually what humans will evolve into in a few thousand years which is a huge part a huge massive reveal in doctor who lore that i don't think the doctor seems awfully concerned about Uh, you know if you remember the episode orphan 55 i do not i i do not Okay, it's the Jodie Whittaker era where they're on this planet and it's being ruined by pollution or whatever. And there's these monsters that are attacking the planet. It turns out the planet is Earth and the monsters are deformed humans. I think it might be based off of this. It could, it could be a way to tie it in, I suppose. Um... Well, yeah, uh, nobody remembers Orphan 55. That episode was not very good. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember it being. I remember the reviews it got. Yeah, I don't really remember I, I, the contents I, of the episode. I remember the old lady always shouting for her husband, Benji, Benji. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and when Benji fucking dies, rest in brilliant. peace. Brilliant. Uh, but the uh, doctor and that are like, oh, we've got a, we've got to go back. I think they're going to the church because there's some book or something they need to get there. Uh, yeah. and Ace is like, oh, I don't want to go back. I've got to go find the baby because the baby's in danger and it's for some reason it's calling to me. I've got to go save this baby. And the doctor's like, okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Ace goes off to see this baby and this is where we're starting to see a lot more of Ace's uh, motherly, more mature side coming out, yes. which comes out rapidly fast in these next few episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, on paper, it's, it's very bizarre that she would suddenly take so much interest in this random baby, but I guess it's you know, we we know the ending of episode four now, both of us, yes. obviously, because you yes. watched these two episodes, finally. I did, I did indeed, I did indeed. <laughs> and I, I, I do I, my prep, I do my prep. And, and I presume it's just something in the time stream making, it's like a magnet, kind of, um, something is pulling Ace towards the baby to make sure it's okay, because also the baby is her mum. Spoilers, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, uh... Then we get we cut to the Russian soldiers who are dealing with a dead one of their dead on the beach as the oncoming hemorrhoids uh, attack them. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep Ru- calling them hemorrhoids. <laughs> uh, the Russian soldiers dealing with one of the dead on the beach can pretty much describe every scene with the Russian soldiers in this story. They do <laughs> nothing. Yeah, we just hang them right on the beach all day. That's that's their yeah. job. Yeah, they do they do nothing. Uh, but the the vampires are coming up. They're like, oh, we've got to kill the vampires. And then they pick up the dead body and kind of run away from the vampires. It's definitely a scene in an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, we, then, <laughs> uh, we then cut to Ace and the lady with the baby. Um, where Ace accidentally is quite rude to the lady when you know she's yep. like oh how's the baby doing you know how's your boyfriend you know do you have a boyfriend and the lady's like i'm, I'm married i have a child uh which is you know just the showcasing the difference in um i guess culture yeah. you know from the 1940s to the 80s uh, which i mean it is it's only f- like 45 years or whatever and it's a massive difference it's insane to think how much society has progressed since then like and I, 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 yeah, I just love the touch of her accidentally offending her grandmother for presuming, you know, that she she just has a boyfriend, she's not married, which is very interesting. Yeah, and this is also where Ace is like, I never thought that I'd ever get married, but nowadays I'm not too sure about that. Maybe I would like to get married, which is this, you know, uh, wanting to settle down coming into Ace's mind. 
which yeah, is pretty which... pretty convenient because she's only got one story left. <laughs> yeah, and also it's, it's, a, it's a big theme in the next episode where she's like, I, I kind of want to get away from you, Doctor. But at mm-hmm. the end, she chooses more adventures with the Doctor, which we never see, yeah. which is really sad. Yeah. She chooses more adventures with the Doctor, but the Doctor decides, no thanks. <laughs> uh, we then get a scene with the Professor and his uh, lover, the General, as they're talking uh, about, you know, the chains of the curse or whatever. And the, the Professor's like, the chain, you know, the, the chains of Fenric, who cares about them? What about my chains? You know, I'm this disabled. He's talking about his frustration of being disabled, uh, where the general's like come on this was 20 years ago why are you making me think about this now which is obviously referring to what you brought up last week yeah uh, about him being responsible for disabling or paralyzing even uh this poor professor also you know him wanting to break free from his chains in the same conversation while talking about fenric you know it's foreshadowing it's it's perfect foreshadowing which i i never caught on to in the first viewing of this i, I did like last week i forgot about this yeah yeah it's pretty good pretty good we then cut back to the Russian soldiers who are doing what they do best, standing around doing nothing, watching the extremely slow-moving vampires. Like, I don't yeah. understand. I don't get why they made these vampires such... Like, they're just not a threat, really. I guess they're a threat in large numbers, like what we see in a moment. But right now, when they're, like, I don't know, 35 feet away, they're, all the Russian yeah. soldiers are standing around casually being like, oh, yeah, look at that. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, they certainly feel more like zombies than vampires. I'm not yeah. sure why we didn't just make them zombies. It feels more appropriate, but... Especially with them rising from... Like, they could be, like, yeah. drowned Vikings brought back to life by the two vampire girls and make them more evil, I guess, you know? Or yeah. just they're just brought back by Fenric. Like, Fenric's curse is that he brings back the drowned, you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, the Russian soldiers are basically like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in vampires. Even though they're yeah. literally in front of them. <laughs> like they're then, looking at them and then you know one of the one of the russians is like but vampires don't exist and the other russian is like of course not well he so in the original cut they would have had him say of course not and he's starting to sharpen a steak which is which is brilliant yeah that would have been great and yeah. i wish it was in this version because it's it, it made me laugh out loud like you do yeah, see but, you do see in the backpack of one of the russians here he does have a steak in his backpack yeah, the thing about uh, yeah. mistakes is it comes into play later on in the extended cut, but it's not in the actual episode. So you're we're just walking around with stakes, which is it's very su- random. That's, that's such a shame. That's a missed opportunity right there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're basically talking about how there was this excursion in, I think, German-controlled Romania, is what they said. Yeah. And everybody died except one dude, and that one dude was like it's vampires vampires killed everybody um basically just being like this isn't the first time the vampires have attacked uh which is an interesting plot point to bring up that never gets mentioned uh yeah (laughs) per romania (laughs) covered in i know right (laughs) uh we then cut to the doctor and ace and the vicar in the church ace makes a comment about the church looking like a fort again uh does that come into play again at some I, I mean it really does because it, it actually does because you know later on the whole fight takes place as if it's a fortress rather than a church i suppose i guess it's just their way of getting around it not looking like a just make sure people know that this church doesn't look like a church so they're not confused <laughs> yeah. um but they just like start going through the book looking for like battles or stuff that happened here uh 
and the doctor has this great line because the vicar's like i don't remember any battles you know here being written in this book and the doctor's like ah yes well today's events haven't been written yet have they uh which is just a an excellent line i very much enjoy that line uh but ace and the doctor go into the back room looking for something evil uh <laughs> they're looking for like an <laughs> artifact of some kind and Ace is trying to be Ace is trying to be like, okay, can I get some clues as to what I should be looking for? Uh, the doctor gives her basically nothing and says, just just find something evil, uh, is is what he says while he's being a cartoon and dropping stuff on his toes. <laughs> like Yeah, well that was the unscripted clowning by Sylvester McCoy. He just loves the physical humor. But you know, this so when when Sylvester McCoy started as a doctor, he was given more comedic stuff like this, but over time he gradually I wanted more and more darkness to his character, and I think that really goes off, like, start from now, because this, this, this episode really shows off a dark side of the Doctor later on. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially with his big uh, speech about Ace. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> can't wait to get that. Oh but my God. Uh, uh, Ace uh, goes into the room, and she finds the evil white pot from before that was dropped on top of bricks and is indestructible. She's like, this looks pretty evil, and stuffs it into her backpack. I'm sure it won't come back into play later on. <laughs> and and uh, so I, when I was watching this before, I was thinking, okay, why is she picking that up and realizing it's probably part of like the evil stuff that's going on? But when I, I, that whole scene, you know, the doctor not giving her any details about what's actually going on, it comes into play later on, which is really makes it work because otherwise Ace kind of looks stupid for not telling the doctor about the pot she just found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. The vicar calls the doctor and that back in, and he's like, I found the Vikings that we're looking for, uh, and there's some, some interesting names of the, you know, he says the the father of the, of the Viking and his wife, and they go through the daughters, and the daughters are Sarah, Martha, Jane, Clara, and Annie, uh, which you could take from that, Sarah, Jane, Martha, Clara, and we don't know an Annie yet, but... No. <laughs> uh, next next companion, maybe. Next companion <laughs> called... If the next companion is called Annie, I will freak <laughs> out, because it's such a weird coincidence that, you know, Martha, Clara, uh, and yeah. Sarah, Jane. Sarah, Jane, written as two separate names, but you, you, can, inf- it, you can cheese it a little bit. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Jane makes it feel like there was some kind of reference to Sarah Jane here, and this is not the only reference to companions in this episode, by the way. We'll get to that a bit later on. Yeah, but the Martha and Clara one, coincidence? Most definitely, <laughs> most probably. But maybe maybe not, maybe, you know, because, you know, Russell T. Davis and Moffat, maybe they were both fans of this episode for whatever reason, and we're just like, I need to name a character, let's go back, what's a name I could name somebody? We'll get to it, but with the whole Ace subplot in this story, it feels like they took a lot of inspiration from her storyline here, and of course, it feels like they must have been fans of this episode, at least. Yeah. But then we get a really nice looking shot in like a graveyard filled with smoke. And that's shot by John Nathan Turner. It really looks atmospheric and uh, spooky and it's a gothic horror. It really works. Yeah, and that'll bring up my question for you. What do you think about the costume for the hemorrhoids? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on them. Because... You know, them wearing, like, Victorian garb or whatever they're wearing really works because it makes it feel like for parts of, like, different time periods, you know. Like, some of them are, like, 500 years old, some of them are 100 years old, and it really works. But the actual masks themselves kind of look way too rubbery for my liking. 
yeah, that's how I feel about them basically as well. That's how I feel especially about Cthulhu when Cthulhu shows up uh, because <laughs> yeah. I think the, the the actual costume is amazing. Uh, but there, then there's just something where you're like, it just looks that a little bit too cheap though. But it is, it's this amazing yeah. looking costume. It uh, really it, on a on a more on a better budget. Like this is the lowest of the lows in terms of budget for Doctor Who. On a better budget, you could make them look really good. And I think the actual designs are really solid and they really look like they work. I think maybe making the blue a bit darker as well could have worked. It, the way it just comes across, it's it's like bright blue and it feels like a, a Power Rangers villain almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're back at the church with the doctor and that and there's a puddle on the floor and Ace is like why is there this puddle on the floor and uh, the vicar's like oh that only ha- that happens when it's raining sometimes it's a leaky pipe and I was like oh that, that that's a fun way of explaining why it was raining earlier <laughs> uh, and you know it's like it happens when there's an easterly wind and the doctor's like but it's not raining and the wind's blowing westerly and I was like um, um, um it, 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 it very much was raining the last time you were outside doctor <laughs> which which was like you know like 10 minutes ago a few ago, moments ago yeah like <laughs> uh but alas they get attacked by just a swarm of uh these vampires and they burst through the windows and the doors it's like straight out of a zombie again these people these are just acting like zombies it's like it's yeah. straight out of a george romero movie like 100 yeah. percent and and also you know george a romero movie the, the first day of the dead or dawn of the dead i can't remember the fucking title of the first movie he did but it's set in a graveyard in a church, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. Good film, good film. It really is. And and surprisingly, Flock Place Vitality, which is, Jesus the, Christ. The, the ending is, 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 <laughs> is uh, yeah, where it's a good ending. If you've not seen yeah. it, spoilers, the main character just gets shot in the head through a, by a cop. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, he's, and he's fucking he's, black he's, as he's well. Black. Is... He's one of the first ever uh, black protagonists in a film. Uh, whose race doesn't play into their character. Like, yeah. he just so happens to be black, and nobody ever calls attention to him being black. It's this really cool piece of cinematic history, and yeah, it just ends with him getting shot through the head, and it's like, Jesus! <laughs> and and the movie just holds up perfectly. Oh, I, yeah. watched it for, I watched it for the first time, like, 2018 at the cinema, and it just it just felt so modern, and just it's a perfect movie, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's got that classic 60s, I think it was 60s, maybe a little bit earlier, possibly 50s. 1968. Yeah, 60s uh, horror where there's a random nude shot for no reason. Uh, <laughs> that's that's something I remember for that film. Uh, and, but, and, and, and speaking of nudity I was about almost, to say, I was about to say, know, uh, there nice is segue. two unfortunate moments with Ace. Uh, <laughs> one avoidable. Uh, one not avoidable well one kind of avoidable it's hard to t- see when you can't when you're not using your eyes um yeah yeah so uh so the people in the in the hermivore suits are special effects Cameron. people like graham <laughs> graham brown and alan marshall who did with special effects as well and they couldn't see out of the masks and unfortunately grab sophie aldridge in a really unfortunate place think uh, tom baker yeah, booby. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's still not as bad as Tom Baker holding the villain <laughs> in behind a fear when he could see he, what he was doing. He he was eager in the hand of fear. <laughs> he was very eager in the hand of fear. Uh, anyway, sure. I, I, I don't I don't think I noticed this until I watched the commentary, and when it happened, Sylvester McCoy was like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he was just shocked. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty shocking. It, but, you know, it is just unfortunate because everybody's wriggling around. There's like a thousand yeah. hands. One hand's going to end up in an awkward place. It just so happened that it got caught on it, film, you know. It, it happens all the time in movies, you know. The most famous one I can think of is in, is in Ghostbusters where Sigourney mm-hmm, Weaver is mm-hmm, on her mm-hmm. chair and all the hands are popping out and one of them just grabs her boob by accident. Yeah. That's, in, that's in the final film as well. Which yeah, it is, is, it is, yeah. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Ace manages to escape and she climbs up. She gets up to some tower bit where she throws a ladder down and we start getting some really cool first person shots uh, as she's climbing down this ladder, which for like shooting that yeah. with the big old camera, they were, that must have been a nightmare. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's basically just a stunt woman with a big camera on her head and just looking <laughs> around while she's climbing down, which is really interesting, which is used all the time in like movies and television shows today. Yeah, because you stick a GoPro. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the 1980s, to stick a ca- big camera on your head. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's pretty effective and, and it leads to some interesting shots that you've not seen before in Doctor... I don't know if they've done first-person shots before this. I've not seen first-person shots before or after this in Doctor Who. Well, I mean, uh, we we just saw a first person shot in terms of like the monster chasing. Well, no, the like 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 an action first person shot. Yeah. you know, like yeah, climbing, like fair. doing something, like moving down. You see first person shots from monsters literally all the time. Uh, Technically, there was that one found footage episode in the Peter Capaldi. Yeah, era that's true. Uh, the one written by the Inside Number Nine guys. Yeah, and it's the worst episode from that series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was it's not good. such a disappointing episode. I love those guys. <laughs> I love Inside Number Nine. Uh, that's so- I think there's a new series of that. I haven't started yet uh, yeah, but, I, ha- yeah. I, I haven't seen any season so that's, that's another show i very should good watch show. it's if black mirror was uh shorter uh, <laughs> uh and less consistently good some episodes are real bad um but yeah a bad episode of doctor who that the sleep one bad episode yeah um uh, but yeah there's an unfortunate shot while we're yes, looking up another at ace. another unfortunate <laughs> shot with ace uh she's cl- she climbs down the ladder uh, and she gets grabbed by two of the vampires and she's struggling and kicking her legs and she's wearing a skirt and the do- the vampire's hand is just pulled that skirt up a little bit too much and you just get a big old panty shot, don't you? It's pretty, yeah. pretty not great. So apparently the first take was so much worse she could actually see so much more, which... Um, unfortunately, unlike the DVD commentary, they say somebody on set mentioned, oh yeah, we're going to put that at the Christmas party showreel, which is unfortunate sign of uh, what was going on in the 80s in terms of, you know, attitude toward women. Objectifying, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, isn't great. Yeah, you know, the it's the, a risk you take when you're wearing a skirt and doing action scenes. It's not the biggest of deals. Uh, but hey, oh, it's just, it just so happens it's two unfortunate scenes for Ace back to back, you know, yeah. not, not the best, uh, time for her during this yeah, action and I, scene. I, I, I would say that, like, Ace is probably like one of the first female companions to not be objectified in terms of like the script, you know, of course we've, we're talking about Susan and Vicky cause they're obviously like 16, so we don't <laughs> think about that, but you know. Like, I think it's a good sign that she wasn't, you know, objectified or anything. Yeah. Uh, but she fights off the, the two vampires, but as quickly gets overpowered as they come up to suck her blood. Or I, they, like, scratch out the blood. It's a weird one. Uh, and then the two Russian soldiers, uh, two Russian soldiers show up, and the vampires let go of Ace and kind of pace around the building. The blocking gets really weird, and then mm. the soldiers just shoot them, and Ace runs away. 
Uh, there's also a shot where they're holding onto Ace's head, and it kind of lingers on to like five seconds too long and it's like okay we're either gonna attack her now or not because we're just standing still just basically holding her head yeah yeah uh i i think there's some good stunts in here you know one of the uh, hermivores is actually tip tiplin and he told sophie to hit him as hard as possible as he was also padded uh, sadly tip tippin died at 35 in 1993 Oof. when a parachute failed to open which is that's Yikes. like a nightmare way to die yes yeah. yeah that's the one yeah that's a bad way to go yeah you know for 35 as well it's yeah no thank you no thank like, you we've talked about there's like three people who died in this episode uh J- J- john nathan turner every director and now tip tipping so young yeah too young yeah that's a that's a nasty one that is a nasty one uh, but we cut back to the doctor and the vicar who are getting overwhelmed by vampires. My question to you is, how did Ace get onto the tower? Yeah, that's that's something that's kind of a question in the audio commentary. It's like, it, it, so I presume she just walks up steps, but you know we don't actually see her walk yeah, up but steps. Like, why I didn't would... the doctor and that follow her out? Uh, they're too busy dealing with the hermivores downstairs. But she was in know? the same room as them. I don't know. It's already <laughs> teleporting around. There uh, is, but yeah. one. One thing that was cut here, uh, on the roof, one of the hermivores... Uh, sorry. Uh, the extended cut shows one of the hermivores getting back up from being shot. Like, in the final, in the ab- actual episode we're watching, we see them get shot down. I mean, in the next shot we see them, they're suddenly back up. But in the extended cut, we've actually seen them on the ground getting back up, making more sense as to why we're suddenly back up, you know. Whereas in the in the TV edit, it feels like there's a continuity error or something. Basically, guns don't kill these dudes. Stakes yeah. do. Yeah. And in the extended cut, we later on cut back to the Russians and we see like stakes in a pile of like green goo because we just we just destroyed them. And there's an ice cream truck right outside again. again. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's late today. It's late. <laughs> it usually shows up about half past it's currently 10 too it's 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 running it must be a busy day for ice cream uh, maybe <laughs> i'd hope so i'd hope so they, they, they worked all winter for some reason um, <laughs> they did <laughs> every day like eight o'clock or something it's insane yeah they're still going i can hear them wow <laughs> have they stopped yet i think so yeah we did yeah uh but we cut back to the doctor and the vicar and they're getting overwhelmed by uh, vampires and the doctor's like, you've just got to have faith, 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 faith. And then the doctor is like, ah, I suddenly have got faith in something. Uh, and all the vampires just flee as this just annoying sound effect plays for yeah. a little bit too long. When you're watching this, you wouldn't understand what the fuck kind of faith the doctor has in, you know, but, you know, he's actually muttering the old name of old companions, you know, Susan, Ian, Barbara, Vicky and Stephen. Ah. That's his faith for his companions. But in the edit, we're like, okay, kids aren't going to understand these references. This was like 26 years ago. Nobody's going to understand this. We're going to cut it out and make a big noise instead, which I don't like. I think that's a terrible decision. It'd be so much more impactful. Yeah. Especially for the second last story ever for for him to start going through all the old companions' names because they give him faith in people. That would have been so, like, yeah. Oh, that would have been so good. And I don't understand why they cut it out. Because also kids don't have access to like videotapes as much. They aren't going to go out and get an old William Hartnell 
Dalek story or whatever, but you know, there's it, it, there's it's it is necessary for a story, and there's no reason to cut it out. Like last season, season twenty five, we had a whole story set in Coal Hill School with the Daleks, which is a big <laughs> celebration of the twenty fifth anniversary. So why not just keep it in? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's a weird choice. Or or you know, change it so he says Ace's name or something instead. You know, more famous companions. He says he says like Sarah Jane Ace, mm-hmm. uh, Mal. I'd make more sense, but whatever. So everybody uh, runs into this room and locks the door behind them, and Ace is like, you know, what was that thing that you were doing? Were you singing, Doctor? How did you get rid of the vampires? And he's like, yes, I basically just created a psychic barrier with my faith. Uh, Which, again, as you were saying, or as we were saying, would be a lot more impactful if he was singing the names of the companions and would make a lot more sense because (laughs) he wasn't singing and the version we watched just noise happened yeah but still uh the noise isn't as bad as when the sea devils were uh overtaken (laughs) by noise because that made our ears hurt yeah yeah very true (laughs) uh everybody's like okay we've got to get going and the russian captain is like i'm gonna stay behind and fight fight some of these guys off i've got to go back to my men uh, and they're like, you're going to die if you do that. And he's like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Let's find out. Uh, I've got faith in the communist revolution, so I should be good against them. Which leads to a very funny scene of vampires being terrified of the hammer and sickle. Uh, <laughs> it's just, communism, no! <laughs> uh, but there's a really lovely scene where the Russian soldier gives Ace his scarf, which is... Um, so Tomic Bork was the main Russian, and he was disappointed about how little Ace and him got to develop their love storyline. Uh, so we worked to improve it, and Bork's idea was to put the scarf around Ace to not change dialogue. However, this caused continuity problems trying to remember to put the scarf on in other takes. <laughs> so, it's a good yeah, moment, though. Um, it is a good moment. It is a really lovely moment. I, I don't quite buy the romance storyline here, but you know it would have been a lot less impactful if this scene didn't happen you know yeah i tell you it's just as well that the doctor never saw them flirting uh (laughs) because otherwise that's ace done she's staying behind (laughs) (laughs) there's only one man in ace's life (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah uh but they they are now back underground and they're by some sealed up wall is it the same sealed up wall that the soldiers were sealing up before that was what i probably yeah uh, you know they're using the same location it's probably the same wall yeah uh and they're struggling to get through it and ace is like move away boys i can do it and the doctor kind of grumbles to himself it kind of feels like improv um because ace is taking a long time to get the stuff out of her bag and it feels like the doctor's covering for that um, it's, it's also it's also partly that the doctor just doesn't like explosives and you know he, he always disproves of ace using explosives because you know it, it can hurt her you know mm-hmm uh, but she sets off two bombs and blows a hole through the wall in which she says is wicked. Uh, yeah, which is... uh, she's a very 80s companion for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the doctor says, uh, I'll, I'll have a talking with you later on. <laughs> and then we get the vampire scene where they're scared of communism. And we are then joining the doctor and that through the tunnels for a very long time. Uh, as yeah. they're walking three or four hundred meters through these dark tunnels it is uh, exciting 
Uh, but you know, we, we were talking about off screen about how this is a lot of walking as usual in Doctor Who. But you know, at least here the, the dialogue is interesting, the acting is interesting, the character work between Sylvester and Sophie is interesting. It's is it is a cap, it's still a captivating scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where Ace takes the white thing i forget the vase thing out of her bag and she's like god i could make a bomb with this stuff in here and the doctor's like hey where did you get that that's the thing we've been looking for this entire time and ace has the great response of oh <laughs> uh you know it's it's that pretty can pretty convenient thing that she just stumbled upon it and yeah. never said and now the doctor which, got it. which, which to be fair on her she probably just f- forgot all about it until that moment you know she was too busy fighting off zombie vampires yeah i mean who hasn't been there uh, <laughs> during this as they're walking through we're cutting back and forth between vampires walking and the russian soldier walking it's it's the middle part of episode three people are gotta be walking places like <laughs> uh the Russian soldier makes it back towards his men, and they're standing on the beach, and they're like, oh, really nice day today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, again, contradicts what we've seen the, earlier yeah, on. The, it was raining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. later on, Ace talks about how cold it is. And it starts it's raining again later on, I'm pretty sure, as well. Like, yeah, the <laughs> very inconsistent weather. Uh, so I'll, I'll just say this just quickly now. Uh, dialogue later on changes because of the weather. This feels like it could have changed because of the weather, you know. Mm-hmm. It would make them make it would make more sense if it was cut out. To be honest, yeah. Also, they could have easily changed the 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 error that happens when the doctor's like, "It's not raining and the wind's blowing westerly." He could just say, you know, "But the wind's blowing westerly," rather than because it has to be the winds. It's raining and the yeah. wind's blowing. He could just be like, oh, "But the wind's going the other direction." You also, know. It's, it, it's, it's a weird bit of dialogue in the first place, but yeah. because who thinks, oh, yeah, the wind's blown east today, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's going to be a flood later. <laughs> I guess people in the 1940s, there's nothing better to do. <laughs> uh, but the doctor and everybody, except for two Russian soldiers who hang back to fight off some vampires, uh, make it out the end of the tunnel, and the evil general man is like, cool, steal up that gate, and the doctor's like, but there's, there's men left behind there, and he's like, I simply do not care. Uh, um, also, uh, because I'm the king of like useless trivia, uh, if you see, there's like a little box in front of the camera, that's actually a digital effect, that's not actually there on I set. Can, I can tell it's digital you, now that I look at you, it, yes. You know why it's there? Why? Everyone is wearing wellies because of the mud. <laughs> as we, yeah, you as we can said, kind of see, you can kind of yeah. see on Ace's legs there, just below yeah. the skirt, the the the, the tip of the welly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think in another episode a few episodes ago we saw the priest wear wellies as well, but I forgot to point it out because I didn't notice it when we were filming. But yeah, um, yeah. As we said, it was raining constantly on this location, and we had to wear wellies because the rain creates mud you know and that, that plays works. in uh, into the end of the next episode when the doctor falls on his face and gets yeah. covered in mud uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. um it reminds me of uh, the rock in in a new hope that covers uh, r2d2 in the cave you know that was digitally altered in 1997 <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but uh, the the general has this really interesting sto- I say interesting it's a very dark story about you know many years ago at war uh, you know locking a bunch of people in this thing and just they were screaming and shouting for hours until they just stopped 
Uh, yeah. You know, and it's like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they, they, they've caught a lot in this story in terms of, like, censorship because it's too dark and grim. And this, this still has some really dark material. Mm-hmm. And also, it, it like, after that scene and everybody walks away, the priest is left there standing, and it just sounds like he swears. Let me go back to that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's saying this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an edgy episode this is, you know? It's, it's got everything you want. I, I presume Mary Whitehouse heard that and was like, oh, they swore on Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, she's she's famous for just complaining about every TV show for being too political and just uh, sexual and yeah. Oh, she would have hated this episode. It's got uh, she, yeah. it's got groping, upskirts, violence, and swearing now. <laughs> yeah, there's a good there's a good documentary about her on BBC iPlayer at the moment. Fourth of Watch is like two parts. You probably won't watch, but it's interesting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. just pause, pause for a sec, pause for a sec. I've just made a connection. Um... Uh, uh, so th- thinking about back to that 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 Viking names of the companions, you know the yes. whatever ones they were, uh, Sarah, Martha, Jane, Jane, Clara, Clara. Annie. Yeah, yeah. The the important one to focus on there is Martha, um, uh-huh. because also in this episode, the 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 nurse is played by evil vampire old lady. From the very first episode, Martha appears in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a connection. There's a connection there. That's uh, that's 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 uh, a string. A string I didn't connect before, and it's got to be got to be named after this episode. Then surely, you know, because yeah, they brought they would have brought that old lady back, being like, "This is a little deep dive for the Doctor Who fans," <laughs> you know, and naming that companion Martha as well. Ooh. Yeah, it would be very random. I, no, it feels very. It'd be too much, a, it's a, it's too much of a coincidence. It feels like a coincidence, you know. We probably oh, don't know. settled on the name Martha before we cast the old lady. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is just a massive coincidence. But it's <laughs> yeah. it's just interesting to see that connection. Yeah, I, I mean, there are also common names in terms of like women. Martha you know. is Martha. Yeah. I, I've never met a Martha in my life. Neither have I. Or Clara. I've I've met yeah. a Sarah. I've met a, I don't know if I've met a Jane, uh, and an Annie. I've met Anne. Uh, not oh, so much an Annie. Again, they probably were more common in the nineteen forties where the story was maybe, set. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But still, that that I, there's a conspiracy forming here. Uh, I can feel <laughs> it in my bones. <laughs> uh, but we cut to the Russian soldiers. And uh, they are cutting a hole in a fence and the captain walks through and he's like, all right, boys, stay here. If I'm not back in 10 minutes, just go home because I'll be dead. Uh, and he starts shouting out for uh, the general, for uh, Commander Millington to show up. And he's like, let's talk officer to officer, you know, be honorable men. Uh, we then cut to Millington with the professor and he's like, hey, I got the evil white jug and, you, you know, put it in our machine. And it's very clear that the professor is not sure what he's supposed to do with this <laughs> because he just kind of jams it in behind the. Ma- he doesn't open it. He just sticks it in behind the machine. And I'm like, I didn't think that's really what you were supposed to do with that jug. The whole time yeah. you're supposed to stick it in the back. <laughs> like- it, it, it just screams at the big actor thought. Oh, yeah, I'm not on screen for this part where I'm putting it in the machine. So I'll just do whatever. I'll just 
I, I'm, not, I'm not told any stage directions. Yeah, here. I'll just, just get I'll just get rid of it. I'll, you know, you're <laughs> saying to stick it in the machine. Sure, whatever. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, and then this is where Millington gets told that the uh, Russian is outside waiting for him, and he's like, "There's a guy outside waiting for me," and he's like, "Yeah, he wants to chat." Uh, and so he uh, maybe maybe have a little kiss, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe a little smooch, a little a little smooch. Uh, <laughs> and they go outside, and uh, there's this really interesting discussion where the Russian soldier keeps getting guns pointed at him from every direction and he's like i have no men with me i'm here just to talk you know if that's something that you want to do uh which it's not really something that millington really seems like he wants to be doing is it mm-hmm. uh and, and what, what happens does he i assume he gets taken prisoner or something because then the next scenes we cut soldiers are chasing away the russians then we cut again and millington's with the doctor so yeah it's it's one of those things that feels definitely underdeveloped because the plot just moves forward from this point on you know the whole plot with Fenric it feels like the Russians are an afterthought after mm-hmm. this part mm-hmm. uh, yeah the, but the doctor is suddenly with Millington and he's you know trying to tell him how much he should be worried about these vampires and he goes they can weld metal beneath the sea with their bare hands uh which i thought was just a cool line <laughs> and it and it also sounds like something the sea devils could do it feels like an episode that's kind of yeah. catered towards the sea devils it's kind of weird but i like, think you could this... insert the sea devils here and have the same story yeah like like do this do it like do the sea devils know anything about the hermivores like it yeah. feels like something they would know, like two underwater creatures. Yeah, I, 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 I think though, like you could get rid of the herbivores and put the sea devils in and lose nothing. Like, yeah, what, but, what uh, would you, what would you lose? But at the same time, this would be another episode where the sea devils are underused. Like they're constantly <laughs> being underused in Doctor Who between their three stories. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but you know, the vampires are underused as well. So yeah. Uh, we then cut to a very good scene with Ace and uh, Ace's grandmother shh don't tell anybody that yet (laughs) Uh, where she's holding a note and she's looking very upset and Ace is like what's wrong what's wrong and immediately I went baby's dead uh, like, <laughs> I just, I, just oh my God. I was like, the baby said, "Oh, so, that was so so dramatic for Scott. He left. That he couldn't deal with that, and he just left the call. Oh my goodness! Um, Let's see if we can get him back. There we go. And he's coming back in. <laughs> Discord just decided wow, to go. That nah, was, the him. baby dying, Scott was was so dark. Your Discord <laughs> couldn't deal with it. Uh, it. It couldn't handle being gone for that long. For couldn't handle that information." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just decided to force close. Yeah, your camera is off at the moment. Yeah, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. We go. He's back. I <laughs> on, <laughs> give it a minute to catch up because you're lagging out. There we go. We're back. <laughs> uh, we get a very good scene with, you know, the the grandmother and Ace here, where she's holding this note, and it's. Uh, telling her that her husband died and it, it's going mm-hmm. into a lot of detail about how he died which i didn't know was something the notes did you know because it, it's like he got t- fired on by torpedoes and trapped in a room with fire and he is now presumed missing and assumed dead and i'm like you could just say you know the boat got attacked <laughs> and he's missing yeah you know. 
That does feel like a lot of detail, and it's, it's again it adds to a really dark script, you know. Yeah. And and also, I do love the fact that Ace is like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna read this really sad letter out loud and just bring back the trauma that she's experiencing, mm-hmm. make it even worse for her. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it does it does lead to this just really good performance from this lady whose name I don't know sadly, uh, where I... she is just crying and it's really realistic crying you know where something you don't ever really see in uh classic doctor who of a character yeah. genuinely being like sad you know i think and, and and you know it's acting based off of something that could happen in real life yeah. when it just it feels so realistic and raw and authentic it's brilliant yeah i, I think classic who does a really good job with characters being angry at each other, you know, and giving yeah. passionate speeches and arguments, or even characters being understated, you know, and talking calmly. But what they're saying is extremely serious. It doesn't really do sadness. I've never really seen an episode of Doctor Who that deals with, you know, uh, we've seen episodes that deal with grief, but not episodes that deal with raw grief, like immediate aftermath of finding out that, that information. And I think that this performance handles it so well. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is, goes back to Ian Briggs wanting some really good character moments, and I say he delivered 100%. This is a really great moment, and just it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as impactful without this brilliant actress in the role. Like, yeah, it's it's really solid work. It is very very good, and it bleeds right into another good scene right after it. Uh, we cut briefly to the professor and the machines going, "I'm a machine," uh, and we cut <laughs> away again. It's just that scene is just there so that there can be a gap between ace scenes because it's two ace yeah. scenes back to back where she's in a different location. Uh, yeah. uh, but now the ace is back with the doctor, and she is furious with the doctor. I, I don't know why she's furious with the doctor but she is uh it's not really important i guess it's just everything's finally caught up with her you know she's seeing this upset lady yeah. the vampires are attacking it's just all these things have clumped onto her head at once and she starts shouting at the doctor you know like this is just a game for you and you know the rules and none of us do remember that that's coming back later uh <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yep. I, you know and she she keeps on shouting at how he never bothers to explain anything and he's just going off doing his own thing blah blah and the doctor gives this amazing speech about you know since the beginning of time you know before time there was just evil and good and they've been fighting forever and then time happened and matter happened and the universe exploded but somehow evil survived and it's still there you know and no matter what he's doing he's always fighting this this form of evil in many different shapes and it is just an incredible speech uh from yeah. sylvester mccoy like yeah both actors are giving such a great performance here and um we go back to me saying uh, ace is basically the modern template of a modern companion and this scene is basically replicated throughout flux you know we had yaz questioning the doctor about not her not telling her yeah, enough yeah, information yeah. But I think this is much more handled. I think this is better handled here than in Flux because they really, they really give time to develop it. Yeah, and it makes coherent sense for the most yeah. part. Uh, you, you know, we we we've only seen Flux once, and yeah, we we are. I don't know if we're planning on revisiting it anytime soon. <laughs> I don't remember our schedule. No. But eventually, <laughs> eventually, I assume we will want to revisit Flux, or we'll mm. do it in our own time. And maybe we'll have a different opinion. Maybe, you know, cooler heads will prevail. <laughs> and we'll be able to take something away from it. Right now, yeah, it's it's not good, is it? But uh, this this scene is extremely good. And plays into what I was saying earlier with Doctor Who. They do shouting scenes very well. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I just love the dark twist to Sylvester McCoy's Doctor. It's like, yeah, he's a hero at the end of the day, but he does really some he does really questionable things right with story. Uh, yeah, especially in the next episode. Uh, yes. I, that's the darkest I've oh seen boy. his Doctor go, and it was br- amazing. It was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scene ends uh, with Ace telling the Doctor that she's going to distract the guards, and the Doctor's like how are you going to distract the guard and ace just goes i'm not a little girl doctor and the doctor just has this look on his face of uh oh uh which you know is playing into ace's uh burgeoning sexuality and becoming an independent woman sort of deal and also plays into the doctor's naivety you know or naivete if you want to be uh pronunciation expert uh where you know he he still even to this day doesn't see people as sexual objects you know it's, yeah. it's most prevalent with capaldi and matt smith uh but <laughs> you know that that blind spot for the doctor is still super present where he doesn't view other people as you know thinking active adults because he's you know infinitely infinitely old in yeah. his eyes these people are still children you know and ace is still this young girl uh, and it, it also plays into like the Favoy role that the Doctor plays yeah. in Ace's life. You know, Ace doesn't really have parents. Her mother is kind of around, but she really hates her mother, which is coming into next episode. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, just the Doctor realizing that basically his daughter is a grown woman now and might be able, might be, start to think about leaving him, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. really interesting, which plays into next story. Yeah, it's it's just this this very nice little little note at the end of their argument. So Ace goes off to go flirt with a guard, and uh, let's just break down her entire flirting scene for the moment <laughs> because it is possibly the most erotic scene in Doctor Who I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is pure just you know hot under the collar Whew, i can't believe they got away with that at seven o'clock on a wednesday you're joking Whew. uh no in, in all seriousness it is confusing and makes no sense <laughs> like, yeah uh basically ace spends the entire scene acting like she's just possessed she's I, like I, I, if you want to talk to me you're gonna have to be faster i'm faster than light and the guy's like faster <laughs> than the second hands on a clock and he, she's uh, uh, and, <laughs> and he's like uh, faster than the doctor in that one episode of doctor who flux yeah where she yeah. moves at super speed yeah and you know and then and then she starts having visions and she starts like seeing the the vampires under the water we get like clips that we've seen before of the like blue hand against the like wood and stuff like that and she's like oh no i can't stay here i have to go and the guy's like but you promised you'd stay and she never once promised us she just flirted with you a bit <laughs> left and then started talking about how she's faster she's how she's like sonic you know i yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you if you, if you want to distract someone by flirting with them, it's it it, it leaves them more confused than anything. You know, <laughs> it's really bizarre. I mean, it distracted him. Uh, yeah, it yeah. did distract him. It it worked but, in that sense. But yeah, basic, basically, her lines are like, "Oh, it's so cold today. The wind is blowing through my, cl- my clothes. Yeah, I can feel it through my clothes. Is there a storm coming? I can move um, faster than speed. <laughs> Uh, so earlier we were speaking about um, how the li- some lines had to be changed because of the weather. This, obviously, this weather changed significantly for the script. In the script, it was supposed to be a hot day. And her original lines were, It's too hot. My clothes are sticking to me. Is oh. it this hot everywhere? Okay. And he would reply with, 
it wasn't until now. <laughs> that's more. That's more on the nose, Florian. I get that one. That's that's more. On the, the whole conversation they have doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when when they filmed it, they were like, "It's fucking windy, and also the floorboards are creaking everywhere. We we need to change the script." Yeah. Uh, but while this is happening, the doctor sneaks in and frees the Russian. Uh, captain that got arrested off screen and locked into I guess this is a prison cell they knew about and never told anybody yeah, that they had uh, don't worry about it uh, but <laughs> they, they rescue him and run out and we cut to the priest who is trying to hold off the vampires and he's like you know stay back I've got faith in this bible and they're like no you don't and he's like yeah I do and they're like oh my god maybe you do and then they go wait no you don't and he's like yeah you're right I don't and they kill him uh, I yeah. guess if they just uh, had nothing else for this character like I, I do I do like this. Basically, he's like, oh yeah, I have faith that everyone is good in everyone, and they're like, yeah, but we're clearly pure evil. You don't have faith in us because mm-hmm. we're not good, which is really good. I think it's a really good scene in in hindsight. I would say because it's the idea of you know how could you believe in an all loving God if he creates like evil everywhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy really should believe in the power of communism because that was proven to be very <laughs> useful against the vampires. Uh, so but you know it, it's it's sad to see another person die i think the priest was the best character in this episode there is a lot of debt i i kind of like ace's grandma she's she's good yeah she's good uh, as well she's great uh but yeah there's there's a lot of death in this episode because of course it is classic who and you can't have classic <laughs> who with just copious amounts of murder at every yeah. turn uh but we then cut to, uh, I think we then cut to the computer machine uh, working mm-hmm. on with the professor and, you know, it zaps him. It goes zap. And he's like, oh, no, I've been zapped. Uh, and he falls off his chair. Uh, and then a thunderstorm rolls in and all the vampires start coming out. And it's getting very dreary and almost horror-esque as the rain comes pouring down. And, uh, you know, the doctor and that come into the room and they're like, you know, oh, my God, the professor's been, you know, killed or whatever. And then uh, Millington starts going on this, like weird little ranting rave where he's like you know the gods have lost their battle it's you know fenric's coming back it's it's kind of it's kind of haunting the yeah, the and, speech and, that he's giving and ace is like oh my god it's him he's fenric when we get a really uh, great uh, interesting twist yes where the professor stands up uh eyes glowing and he says uh what is the exact line because the exact line is amazing hang on we play the contest again, Time Lord. Yes, we play the contest again, Time Lord. And then yeah. cut to the credits. It's, it is a very good cliffhanger. It's a very good cliffhanger, but you know, if you if you watch the scene, it looks very grainy and there's a good reason for that. So basically, the guy's wearing contact lenses and somebody's off camera just trying to shine a light into his eyes to make no, it that glow. That must have sucked. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the contact lenses was very uncomfortable for him. Later on in the next episode, his eyes are actually bloodshot, uh, but that's not the point. Um, the lights are very low in this scene, and in the post-processing, we're like, "Oh my god, we need this is too dark. We need to brighten the scene up." And of course, it's nineteen eighties. Of course, that causes a lot of grain, mm-hmm. and the effect as a result, the glow, glow in eyes doesn't look that, that good. But on the two thousand and three DVD, we went back. Made the look, made the scene look a lot better, and made the glowing eyes look a lot better, which is good um, special effects for like a re-release. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's it's a solid end to this episode where the twist isn't the doctor's got a gun pointed at him. It's this arch. Yeah. I say arch enemy. He's never spoken about him before. It's this evil enemy. You know, evil incarnate has come to to kill the doctor, uh, which and, I feel like he does also, every week. But it's also what I like about uh, these uh, Sylvester McCoy and classic coup. Like, there's a lot of times where he's mysterious because we don't know what he's up to. Like. We've never met this villain before, but he's an arch enemy. We've never spoken of him before, and it feels like something Chris Chibnall tried to do in Flux when we brought in with that. Swarm. Yeah, Swarm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it feels I, like this is a direct comparison. Like, but I feel like this is you, more interesting. I tell you, they both have just as underwhelming endings. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You know where Swarm just kind of dies. And where this guy just kind of dies. This adds into the whole Sylvester McCoy arc. Um, like, he's not an ordinary Time Lord. Like, we're printing out a more secretive past for the Doctor. The Timeless Child. Back. Yeah, the, the Timeless Child is a whole other story. This one's more obscure and um, not as developed, which is more interesting. I like more mysterious past for the Doctor. Uh, yeah, I like mysterious past Doctor rather than we've met the Doctor's mum and they're God and also they're dead now and they had a pet Ood and don't worry about it. Also, here's Swarm. <laughs> By the way, time's a person and a planet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this episode gets um, incomprehensible at points, but it oh, doesn't episode, quite go as Episode bad. 4 gets pretty incomprehensible. I'm looking and for, we, yeah, and we're going to jump we, we, straight into there, yeah. Yeah, but this episode overall was very good. It's action packed. It's it, it it breaks the curse of a lot of Doctor Who stories where part almost, three is usually it, a boring it, episode. It almost falls into it. They they do they do fall into the let's walk let's walk for a while mm. bit, but they do manage to to not go, make it go on for too long, keep it interesting, and keep the action quick. And you know, we have, have good performances. Real, yeah. Yeah, some really interesting character work as well, which is rare in classic Doctor Who. I think it's probably maybe my favorite episode out of the story. I think it's the most the most fast paced yeah. and the easiest one to watch out of all four of them. Uh, with the next one, yeah. I think being my least favorite. That's fair, but we'll yeah. get to that in a few seconds. We shall indeed. Let's us jump and do episode four. Woohoo! You think I didn't know the chess set in Lady Painful's study? I knew. Earlier than that, Time Lord. Before Cyberman. Ever since Iceworld. Where you first met the girl. I knew. I knew she carried the evil inside her. I think I'd have chosen a social misfit if I hadn't known. She couldn't even pass her chemistry exams at school. And yet she manages to create a time storm in her bedroom. I saw your hand in it from the very beginning. <laughs> She's an emotional cripple. I wouldn't waste my time on her unless I had to use her somehow. No! <laughs> Kill them. Uh, so one thing I should say before we start episode four is that when he was writing this, Ian Briggs was suddenly told, you know how we told you we were going to start filming this in May? Uh, we've decided to start filming in in April, so you've got less time to work on it now. So I think that explains why this episode feels somewhat rushed. He just didn't have enough time to complete it, complete it properly. 
It's a recurring theme with Doctor Who, isn't it? Having, yes. uh, even to this day, suddenly having no no time to make it and being told that you have to make it now. Uh, it seems to be the, the curse of Doctor Who. This is the yeah, curse I, of Fenric. But I, I've said it before, but the funny thing about a t- time travel TV show is they have no time to make the time travel TV show. If only they could time travel. You know, it's that uh, joke from Community, isn't it? You know, if only this desk was a time desk. <laughs> like, <laughs> or a time hoodie or whatever it was. You know, if only this hoodie was a time hoodie. Could go back and solve this problem. Great show, Community. I- I haven't seen it in so long. I I, did, I recently rewatched it all uh, a few months ago. Uh, very good show. Very I good. think I stopped about four episodes into season four, and I just never returned to it. Hey, I hate everything <laughs> about you. It was a gas leak year. It's it shit. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's, it's okay. It's definitely <laughs> the worst season, but it's okay. But in the next season, Scott, the very the very next season, Mike shows up. Oh yeah, from Breaking Bad. And, I know he, he's and, and yeah. he draws ducks. A duck called <laughs> Bill. From Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, but this episode begins strangely not where we left the last episode, but kind of like a few seconds before we left 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 left, left a few seconds before we left the last episode uh we're not picking up right at the cliffhanger we're basically watching the build-up to the cliffhanger again i mean and i mean we, we often get many recaps in classic coup i i sometimes most of the time though it's it's just picks up like oh i'm about to be shot and now i'm not uh, you know, or is this one just like the extra 30 seconds to me felt like it was just because they needed to have 30 extra seconds in the runtime. Uh, well, you'd, you'd be surprised about five minutes of this episode in particular was cut and it's on the extended edition, which is wild. Then cut the 30 seconds off <laughs> the, the start. You don't need it. We don't need that recap. We can just have yeah, Chloe Eyes but- McGee come back. The thing about the recap is somebody might have missed last week's episode. We didn't realize that is on that. them, Scott. <laughs> that is on. But them. we might have, but you know, a Coronation Street character might have been in the hospital or That's something. On them. We needed to watch it. That's on them. <laughs> it is appointment viewing. If you miss Doctor Who on Wednesday <clears throat> at seven o'clock or whenever it was on, tough. You know, why should the rest of the audience have to waste thirty precious <laughs> seconds of their life? But, you know, imagine being a kid watching Doctor Who and suddenly one week your mum wants a television because it's like, oh, yeah, um, Phyllis and Jean are getting married this week in, in Coronation Street. We need to... I said Phyllis and Jean because we're in this episode of Doctor Who. Um, I don't think we'd have be progressive enough to have gay marriage storylines in Ph- Coronation Street. Phyllis, <laughs> can be a, Phyllis can be a female name and Jean can be a male name. I, I guess, yeah. So. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it would suck to not be able to watch Doctor Who is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it would, but screw them for <laughs> missing it. Uh, but we get we get the recap. You know, guy comes back and he's got glowy eyes and he's all, "Oh, we will fight time, Lord." Uh, and then we cut to uh, the definitely not Ace's grandmother holding a very sick-looking baby. Just yeah, ba- it, it, the baby is like a ghost. Like its skin is so white. <laughs> yeah, my baby is very pale in this image. <laughs> my 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 guess is it's just because like they couldn't uh, put makeup on the baby. Possibly, yeah. You know, and so maybe it's just all the lights on it and the old timey camera and stuff. It just looks ill when it's not. 
And also the baby is looking at the boom mic the entire time. <laughs> well, at least she's not looking at the camera. You know, it's, be- it's better than the camera, the boom mic. Uh, yeah. But the there's like a big storm rolling in, uh, if you remember from last episode. Uh, and the, uh, the, 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 the mother is sitting there singing the lullaby about a baby falling from a tree. What a weird lullaby that is. It really is, yes. <laughs> uh, then... Is this guy Fenric? That he is Fenric, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, is Fenric. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be misnaming him. Uh, Fenric basically says, "My evil plan is ready." Mwahaha. and then he explodes. Uh, yeah, he pretty much does. Yeah. It's 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 a spe- I couldn't describe the effect more than he ex- he like stretches his arms out and then just goes and like it vanishes. Like he just simply explodes out of the scene. Yeah, there is a nice uh, actual practical effect of like the window blown open and all that. And it's actually real. The guy is standing there as the window is blown open, which could be dangerous, but because he's facing away from the explosion, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's this weird video composite effect over him, which really looks weird and outdated. It but, does. You know, it's so strange. It's so 1980s Doctor Who. When suddenly he disappears, but he doesn't disappear on camera. He disappears off camera. So you're just left wondering what was going on. <laughs> he just explode. It just it just makes it seem like he just exploded. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he just ceased existing in this universe. My plan is over, Doctor. Dead. <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, the the other soldiers come running in, and evil general guy whose name has left my brain on this Saturday evening uh, goes. Millington. Yeah, uh, he goes shoot shoot the doctor and Ace, and the soldier goes why. And he goes, well, one, I ordered you to. And the other one is uh, they're traitors. And the guy's like, oh, my God. Yeah, okay, I'll kill them right now. Uh, and instead of just shooting them on the spot, which I feel like was the order. I feel like the order was shoot them now. You know, yeah. it wasn't, okay, let's arrest them and then line them up to be executed later on. No, it was shoot these guys right now. Uh, yeah, but, you know, they have to be shot later on so they can actually get a moment to escape. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, we get immediately. Uh, this episode is go, 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 go. And we are standing outside in the rain, which you said was not real rain. Yeah, um, you can probably tell in some shots it's actually fake rain. Because there's, there's only like one side of a screen getting rained it's on. It's also very bright. In some shots. Yes, it it's is. also very bright. Which the extended edition on the Blu-ray kind of makes better because they darken the image a little bit. That's why you should buy a Blu-ray. And also, this episode makes more sense because we cut out five minutes. Yeah, uh, but it is raining and they are about to be shot. This is an execution about a minute into a Doctor Who episode. You know, it's 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 brilliant. Um, and basically, we get, like, one-liners from the three people that are going to get shot. It's the Russian guy, the Doctor, and Ace. The Russian guy is like, you know, killing us isn't going to change anything. Uh, I don't remember what the Doctor says. Um, I don't think he says anything, but um, just Ace calls there. out for her mom. She's yeah, like, "Mom, I'm sorry." Yeah, he, she, she, she's all like, "Mom, I'm sorry," and you know, somebody throws a grenade, gunfire, explosions, whatever. Uh, just before this scene, actually, because it's so brief, I forgot about it. Uh, we see the two vampire girls walking through the sewers towards Fenric, and Fenric goes, mm, "I was expecting only one of you," uh, which is a line that I didn't understand the purpose of, and maybe I've forgotten that it comes back. But why does it matter if there's one or two? Yeah, so there's a lot cut in this instance of this scene. It kind of cuts back and forth. There's like a whole bit. Um, Fenric fan says, "I was hoping for something a bit more Aryan. However, let the ancient one approach oh, okay. me." Uh, there's no response from the girls. And then Fenric is like, where is the Ancient One? 
Phyllis replies with, he waits. Fenric replies with, he waits. What for? Has he no sense of occasion? I want him here now. Fetch me the ancient one. Okay. And then, okay. and then the hermivores approach the two soldiers. They shoot at them. Their bullets do nothing. The girls smile, and we cut to Fenric smiling as the soldiers scream. Uh, we go back to the hermivores who have drained the blood from the soldiers. Fenric says, "How English! Everything stops for tea. Now fetch the ancient one, which is where the next scene we see the Fenric. That's where the next scene starts, which is we cut a whole bit here. Okay, so so most of that I can understand why they cut it because it's you know just repetition <laughs> or, or 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 fighting, but the whole you know I thought you'd be more Aryan. Uh, that's a really good line. Makes me hate this guy as more of a villain because right now he, I just I don't like him because I'm told I don't like him. Uh, yeah. And also fetching off the ancient one lets me know who Cthulhu is that shows up randomly because I had no idea who that dude was. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. He has a he has a couple of great lines that were just cut from this episode, and I'll read them later. Obviously. Interesting. Oh, and also the two two of the monsters behind the two girls are actually Sylvester McCoy's children. They visited him on set and were like, hey, can we dress up as, as monsters? And they were like, yeah, let's dress you up. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, <laughs> but the fighting continues and we then cut back to General Middlington. Middlington? Uh, Middlesbrough. We uh, <laughs> and he's basically reciting a poem or an excerpt from some story, basically being like, you know, everybody's gonna die in a big battle, uh, and it's it's very dramatically shot. I quite like how it's shot. Yeah, it's real, well lit as well. It's just moody and dramatic. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to the Doctor and Ace who are sitting on a hill with an umbrella up, kind of just ignoring the fact that there's an entire battle going on around them. They seem yeah. <laughs> pretty unfazed at that point at the uh, at the moment. Uh, 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 there's also another cut line here where the doctor asks uh, Ace, "What was it you said?" Ace replies with, "When." The doctor replies with, "Outside, you shouted something." Ace replies with, "Oh, nothing, just something." Doctor replies with, "Your mum." Ace replies with, "Luke, <laughs> stop playing games with me." <laughs> the doctor <laughs> replies it... with, "Your mum." <laughs> <laughs> and then the doctor replies with, "We've all been playing games." Fenric's games, playing his games and walking into his traps, which is a nice little foreshadowing to what's actually going to happen with, in in regards to um, her mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but instead we don't get any of that, and they're just sitting down, and the doctor's like, "I really need to play chess uh, more than anything right now. We need to be playing chess," uh, <laughs> which I think <laughs> covers basically the same thing you covered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, we. Cut back to the vampire ladies. And do they say anything? Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they just they, sort of stand there and nod. They, they, they stand there and nod after they get told to go get Big Blue Boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then there, we cut to more fighting briefly before the uh, Russian captain pulls over to where the doctor is and he's like, oh, I can steal you a chess set. Uh, his, his actual line is really great. It's, uh, we came to steal the Ultima machine, Ultima machine chess set? No problem. Follow me. <laughs> uh, which is a very good good line of dialogue. My, my question here, Scott, yes, is that soldier we saw did such an effective job of destroying the radios, did mm-hmm. he forget to also destroy the chess sets? Because he was told to destroy the chess sets and yet they get a chess set Almost no bother. I oh, there's ice cream behind me. Um, I right can't remember. Cue. Right on cue. Oh, I can't remember when he was told to do this chess set. He probably got distracted at the same by time. The he was he was told at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah, it was okay. destroy uh, all the radios and also 
destroy all the chess sets and he goes the chess sets yeah. and he's like yeah that's an order <laughs> okay well he was doing the radios when suddenly he was told to fix the radios <laughs> remember the doctor was like fix the radios why is he taking orders from the doctor <laughs> that, I, that, that read more as a joke to me but yeah no uh, he just totally forgot to destroy the chess sets or the writers forgot that they said to destroy the chess sets no i i just reckon he was really confused by the the old man that just walked in and told him to stop to fix the <laughs> radios because <laughs> it's like okay what's going on here i don't understand yeah and i mean what... I mean, he, I mean he just forgot about chess sets it happens dude i don't think it does <laughs> i don't think it does there's a really strange edit here uh and i think it's just because the cut comes like a second too late but we watch the, the doctor ace and the russian guy run up to the corner of this building then they stop and then we cut to a close-up of them standing at the building. Like I, It felt like we were going to cut to a different scene, but instead yeah. we, we cut and we're still at this scene uh, with the characters. It's just a, a strange little... Like a, the only piece of editing, I think, considering they chopped five minutes out yeah. of this episode, this is the only edit that made me go, oh, that's weird. Yeah, we, we've talked about a lot of editing in this story in general. It's just like, if they focus on the scene for like two seconds too long, we need mm -hmm. to cut it, trim it down a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll give them that note and then they can go back and fix it before <laughs> this comes out and it actually airs uh, and that'll yeah. save a lot of problems. Uh, we then cut to the vampire girls who are like, ooh, rise from the ocean. Uh, <laughs> and they rise a big blue boy. Uh and my, my question for you about this big blue boy, Scott, is yes. what do you think about big blue boy's costume? Um, it, it, he kind of looks a bit silly, but, you know, it's, it's Doctor Who. I guess we have to look a bit silly. Again, it goes back to the other hemivores. We just need to be darker in color, I would reckon, because it's a bit too light blue at the moment. A bit a bit too artificial looking. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is maybe one of the best classic who costumes i've seen like it looks put together yeah it's it's a really solid design for a budget and also surprise surprise the actor started drowning on the first take yeah, yeah. that's how you know you've got a good costume <laughs> when it traps water in that means it's not going to fall apart because there's no holes uh, <laughs> so uh the next scene we get is uh like half monologue half not really monologue because he gets interrupted halfway through uh with fenric as it's a pretty dark monologue uh like some of the lines of dialogue he has you know uh it's really glorifying death and murder and stuff like that it's 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 pretty gruesome it's also delivered really really well yeah uh it's it's a fun uh, one uh we also get some exposition here uh from exactly who fenric is Mm -hmm. you know where it's like you know oh i battled with the doctor before and we we did all these puzzles and stuff like that and then he trapped me but this time i will get my revenge uh you know it's classic villain sort of stuff i just i feel like it would have more impact if this was an actual villain we had seen before rather yeah. than somebody we had never seen and just getting told that they've had this history as, as as part of the Doctor Who mystery, you know, the fact that Doctor, the Doctor has adventures off screen and we just mm -hmm. don't know the character 100%. It adds so much more to the, the mysteriousness of his character. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just, yeah. just not, it just doesn't hit for me, this sport, for whatever reason, uh, this this motivation. Fenric's just kind of a bleh villain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's another bit here cut as uh, Militon walks into the room and Fenric asks him, where's the Time Lord? Militon replies with Time Lord, the one you call the Doctor. 
Milton replies with, I had him shot. And Fenric says, I can see you've never been handicapped by great intelligence. Which is <laughs> another really solid line, which I wish was in this version. Yeah, that is a, that is a good line. Good insult. Then the Doctor and uh, Ace find a chess set that's not been destroyed, which contradicts something that uh, the Doctor says in literally a few moments. But they find a chess set. Ace immediately is like, oh, a chess set. I'll go get that. And the Doctor, sensing a trap, uh, goes, no, Ace, wait, stop. And it sets off somehow a gas grenade. I don't understand how it set it off, but it did. Uh, they they just kind of put a lid on top of the gas and Ace is like, oh, thank goodness. If if, if I was the bad guy, I would have just stuck a regular bomb. And then they look under the table and lo and behold, there's a regular bomb. Cut to the outside, big explosion, whatever. You know, it's a fun kind of cheesy comedy bit. Uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Why not stick the explosive bomb on the first trap and then you just blow them up immediately. Problem solved. Yeah, but the, the gas bomb in case they figure out the gas... I mean, the explosion bomb, in case they don't figure out the explosion. Just know? explode them. <coughs> Just ex- exploding them solves the first problem and the second <laughs> problem, because they're but, exploded. Know, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a bit of fun, and also Sylvester and, Sof- and Sophie did their own stunt here, which is really awesome. Yeah, and the umbrella yeah. the umbrella goes flying, yeah. and a piece of <laughs> rubble hits the camera lens. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, a real 3D moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, we then get a meeting between Fenric and the big blue boy, uh, known as the Serpent. But I'm going to keep calling him the big blue boy. Um, I, I, I would, I, I call him Mister Blobby, but I would say this is a bit where Fenric probably teleports. Uh, like yeah. f- people teleport all the time in this story, but actually Fenric is a teleporter, so it makes sense why he's suddenly down yeah, here yeah. again. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He just exploded again. And now he's down here. Uh, but this is also where we get a much better look at the Big Blue Boy costume. And, you know, I noticed this watching it again. There's little details, like, you can see it expanding as he's breathing. Yeah. Like, there's little lungs on the side. And you mentioned that the eyes actually blink. And it's, it's, it's extremely cool. The only thing that you start to notice is he's not talking yet. I don't remember if he talks at all. But so far, he's not really talking. And he's just standing around. Uh, he, he he literally says a line in this scene. I don't think he does. He says, "My world is dead." Oh yeah, so he does. <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's his yeah. mouth doesn't move. It it kind it, of it, moves it, it looks slightly. like it tries to move. Yeah, you know, but it doesn't. And so when I was watching it, I just assumed Fenric said that. <laughs> I did not assume it was Big Blue Boy saying it because I could not tell that he was trying to talk. It just looked like he was breathing some more. I mean, uh, you know, he he does have a different voice. So. Yeah, but like it's so modulated, and you know, the audio has <laughs> been so bad in this episode. Why would I expect it to <laughs> to you know be any different? Uh, but, but yeah, it it is a great costume. My problem is it's it's in this moody, atmospheric, dark place, and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's, it's just blue. Just blue. Yeah, it's, it's just bright blue. Yeah. He's also he's wearing an interesting jumper. His ar- his arms look well protected, but his chest not really. It's an in- interesting costume. Uh, but you know they 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 start talking more about the history and uh, do they explain how Big Blue Boy is here? Because the sea vampires and Big Blue Boy are humans from the future. 
Yeah, that's why you have to watch the extended cut for his, his deleted lines later on. I'll cover when okay. that's relevant. Okay. I'm going to guess it's something to do with Flux. <laughs> You'd be surprisingly wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the we then come back to the Doctor and Ace as they're sitting rubbing uh, explosions off themselves. Oh, not explosion, like dust and stuff. Uh, and, you know, there's some fun comedy stuff where they're each wiping each other's faces and whatever uh and they're talking about you know oh, another trap and ace is like oh we should go back to the lady because she had a chess set and the doctor goes no 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 uh, remember all the chess sets got ordered to be destroyed it's, so why did you think that you could find a chess set doctor uh, just a moment ago you were like let's find a chess set and then you find one immediately why now were they all destroyed why do you I suddenly mean, it, think it, this now I presume it's because it's Militant's chess set and he didn't want his chess set to be destroyed I, I because think... of the games of Fenric. But why would the Doctor know that Militant kept his own chess set and didn't destroy the other ones? Because he he, he knows how Militant thinks. That's... That, that, nah, that's <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, also, uh, Sylvester and Sophie are wiping each other just for continuity because all, all of a sudden in the next scene they're completely clean. Oh. So that's what... So it was, an, it was a bit of improv on their part. I did that, um, or we did something similar to that in uh, Messy Story, which is a web series that I make on youtube.com slash YouTube. In episode two of a Messy Story, um, we had this problem where uh, our faces were covered in blood, mm-hmm. and we forgot about that, and we never wrote a scene where we clean our faces so presumably the rest of the series our face would be covered in blood and so we had to improvise like okay no so i get up and i leave the room and i take sean with me and i just muttered to myself let's go get our faces clean (laughs) and uh then when i came back in the room uh we had to you know ewan's still there we had this problem of he's got blood on his face still how are we getting rid of this ah of course i just throw a cloth at his face (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the blood gets vanished you know uh, thinking about the the continuity when it comes to like you know dust debris blood damage and you know stuff like that is an easy thing to forget about and it becomes a yeah. problem uh, <laughs> very quickly yep. especially when you know you're in a script writing process and you, you don't imagine how it's going to look on you, screen you, yeah you almost never are imagining somebody's face unless you're specifically writing about their face you know yeah uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's an it's an understandable problem and a, a, a creative solution, and, and it's also a bit of fun as well. It just adds a bit more levity into that yeah. scene, and it gives them something to do rather than just sit with their arms at their side talking. Yeah, we then get to witness a war crime, um, where we're seeing soldiers load uh, poisonous gas into the grenades and lob it at the soldiers they're fighting with. At the gas explodes, everybody chokes, and we then see their like burnt up corpse where their skin is like all warped and ruined looking and one of the guys is obviously breathing uh but But yeah it's really gruesome it's doctor who classic doctor who especially just randomly gets really gruesome uh at times it it really does and you know this uh, we've talked about before about how this episode was censored in terms of like gay themes but yeah, violence is okay. So yeah. just remember that, kids. That's, violence is okay, but it's not okay to be gay. That's that's always been the rules, Scott. Violence is okay. Uh, <laughs> showing affection is not. Uh, you know, um, murder is cool and swearing is cool. <laughs> but only yeah. some swear words. And you can murder whoever you like. But if there's blood, <laughs> that's not okay. Yeah, you, know? you have to you have to make sure the blood is either black or green, yeah, just yeah. not red. Yeah, or or have no blood at all. 
but yeah. like just chop people to bits. That's yeah. fine. But if they kiss, that's okay as long as it's between <laughs> a man and a woman and they're fully clothed. And the woman can take her, her top off and the, and that's okay still as well. If the guy's mm-hmm. taking his top off, that we're talking a different game here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> These are all rules that make perfect sense. Oh, yeah, certainly, <laughs> yes. A t- television man, well, weird concept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we then get a very brief scene with the Russian soldier and the captain that's a, a, a very good line of dialogue where the soldier's like, you know, this isn't war, this is a massacre, uh, which I thought was really good. It would have been elevated if we could hear the fighting in the background, but instead mm. it's just a very, you know, it's just kind of drizzly, you know, it's very quiet. Yeah. Uh, and and also the rain continuity isn't 100% in one shot it's raining heavily the mm-hmm. next shot it's kind of light <laughs> yeah uh and it's they they basically decide they're going to go and destroy the ultima machine which yeah they should have come to that solution a little <laughs> bit quicker i think just a little bit uh we then cut to as you described the nipple room uh, it is the big room full of bombs. Uh, again, I, I still don't see the nipples on them. But it's uh, a big room full of bombs, and we have a conversation between Fenric, Big Blue Boy, and uh, Commander General Bad Guy, uh, where he's a bit upset that, you know, his men are getting killed. Yeah, surprisingly. But also, um, he, it turns out, to, I, guess, I guess it's a Big Blue Man, let's call the great serpent yeah that that was my assumption is a big Which, yeah he doesn't really look like a snake uh, <laughs> you know this reminds me of the grand serpent from doctor who flux <laughs> remember that very insightful useful character that yeah. did a lot he took over unit well he didn't take over unit he started unit kind of sure <laughs> But he was there, and then he got killed. God, what a storyline. It's, interest, it's, it's interesting that this guy's called the Great Serpent when he's very clearly modeled after an octopus. Yeah, like it's, like it's very he's, he's, he's got an octopus head. That He's a big blue octopus man. And why not the Great Octopus? Or, or, or Octo, Octo, Octoman? Just just call him Mr. Blobby and get it done with. Uh, he doesn't look like Mr. Blobby, though. <laughs> Make him pink and he'll look like Mr. Blobby. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. <laughs> he'd look like an. He'd look even more like an octopus if you made him pink. <laughs> what, what, what species do you think Mr. Blobby is? Not an octopus. <laughs> I think he's like a... Like, I'm thinking about what he is in my head. He's like a bowling pin. That's his species. He's like a sentient bowling pin. What well, his name is Mr. Blobby. Yeah. <laughs> I just googled him and in one image he has a big cock. <laughs> but like he doesn't, second image. doesn't doesn't look like an octopus, though, does he? <laughs> he does. Uh, That's the second image I saw. I I sent you it in Discord. Yeah, it's yeah, the second image. Yeah, it's it's like an, <laughs> an inflatable Mr. Blobby. Not so much. It's just yeah, uh, it's, it, it's an inflatable Mr. Blobby, but he has a little pee pee. Yeah, no, he looks like a bowling pin. Oh, and there's a and there's a bloody Mr. Blobby. <laughs> it's a fourth image. <laughs> and Mr. Bloody. And there's a Lego Mr. Blobby. <laughs> indeed, indeed, there is all of these things. 
but we, we find out that the Great Serpent is basically evil. And I was shocked at this revelation that he was going to be a bad guy that's working with the bad guys. And they're going to poison the world to take over the world, basically. There is a lot of bad guys in this story, isn't there? There's, there's, there's three. three. Yeah, there's more than that. <laughs> You know, there's the Hammervores, very, very individual bad guys. I suppose, there's... but, like, they do nothing, and they're yeah, not they just... much of a threat. Uh, you you know, know, they also, in this episode, really get pushed to the sidelines. Like, yeah. you kind of forget that they're there. Uh, same yeah, with the vampire with two girls. girls. Yeah. yeah, they just yeah. kind of explode at a certain point, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it falls into every classic Who problem when they start introducing too many villains, isn't it? They remember yeah. they've got a 20-minute runtime. <laughs> like, it, it's, like, it's like Avengers Endgame kind of levels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many characters. <laughs> but at least that had the runtime to deal with it. This, yes. this, this does not. <laughs> so we then cut to a man slipping in mud as he's running up to the Doctor and Ace. And... Uh, is it muddy because of real rain or is it muddy because of the fake rain? Because the mud comes back in a big part later on uh, at the end of the episode. This this is muddy because of real rain. And I presume the line where the doctor's like, all part of Fenric's evil game, no doubt, like this weather, is improv. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but the part to me that feels like bad improv is when the Russian soldier comes up and the, the British soldier's like, hey, we should be team up and fight the real enemy. And the other guy's like, that's a good plan. Yeah, I agree. We should be friends now. Like, it's, 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 maybe it's just the way it's delivered. It's just, it feels really awkwardly ham-fisted, you know, where you're, like, messing around, like, say that you're doing, like, an imaginary game at school with your friends, and you go, hey, wait, we should team up. And the yeah. other guy, kid's like, yeah, we should team up. And then you go off to go, like, punch another kid. I don't remember school very well. I think uh, it would probably help if there was, a, a like, a camera shot change, because it stays in this wide shot for a bit too long. The guy's basically turning his back and saying, well, hey, we should team up. It's probably because it's so muddy, they could only really have the camera and a tripod and mm. without keeping it off the mud otherwise you know slip and slide and break a camera so in the extended cut as the russian dude is given ace his badge we do get close-ups whereas in this tv version it's all two shots which is really interesting because i think the close-ups actually really work for this scene yeah that is weird um but yeah, so speaking about that scene with the badge, we then get that scene with uh, what happens with the Doctor and the guy? Don't know. But Russian uh, man and Ace are now alone. And uh, Russian dude is like, hey, you wear the communist insignia of the hammer and sickle on your jacket. That's pretty cool. And uh, Ace is like, oh, it's not a real one, though. And so he's like, yeah, well, here's a real hammer and sickle. So, as in the badge. He doesn't just give her yeah. a hammer and a sickle. Um <laughs> Ace is a communist. That's a cool character trait. Uh, yeah, especially just, yeah. for 1980s Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, you know, Cold War time. Having one of your main characters be a, a communist is pretty interesting. Um, Ace is Ace is a pretty progressive character in general. I love Ace. Yeah, yeah. Calling communism progressive, maybe. <laughs> in some cases, maybe not so much. It's to each their own. Uh, uh, we then get a really stupid scene that I'm sure was terrifying if you were a small kid, uh, which is we some soldiers burst through into a room where all the uh, radio ladies were, and they're all standing in the corner, and then they all turn around <laughs> to reveal that they're all vampire ladies. 
Yeah, they just turn around and being like, oh yeah, we're, we went to a spa, look at our nails. <laughs> My question is, why were they all facing the wall? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, they faced the wall because one of them was like, hey, I know a really be, good way be, to scare this be, dude. Yeah, this will be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, obviously the lightning strikes indoors because that's how lightning works. It's very dramatic mm-hmm. lightning. Yes, it is. It knows when to go. Um, <laughs> but two guys run away and the other guy doesn't run away. He decides, I'm going to crouch down as these people <laughs> approach me and then they all kind of swarm him and kill him. It's an awkwardly paced scene. Yeah, but as Doctor Who, you know, every, every scene is an awkwardly paced scene. Yeah. Uh, we then get the scene where Ace and the Doctor burst into uh, the lady in the baby room. Uh, the Doctor grabs the chest set and goes to leave again, but Ace is like, oh, I can't leave the i can't leave these two i've got to look after them make sure that you know nothing bad happens to the baby and the doctor's like oh, okay well you know don't leave bye yeah uh, <laughs> yeah he's like I, I, what, what is it with you and this baby man what the mm-hmm. fuck this baby man is it a baby maybe what well, is a baby man but you know it's technically What's, a baby woman in the uh, script yeah yeah uh, but yeah, he leaves, and we cut to Crane, the lady from that likes to drink blood from straws, as she gets slowly murdered by vampires. As Fenric teleports there, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you were so mean to me before I was Fenric, and now you're going to die." And then we get a shot where he does genuinely look very happy that she's getting killed. <laughs> yeah, he just basically smiles into the camera. It's like it's such a brilliant. joyful smile though. Like it's like not even like a sinister smile. It's just like he's having a good day sort of <laughs> smile. <laughs> uh but yeah this is it's a lot of death and a lot of you know the thunder and lightning and the music's going. This is a, it would be a very scary episode I would say if you if you were watching it for the first time as like a young kid. It'd be a pretty spooky one. I remember being kind of frightened by this episode you know of the vampires kind of apart from the ones with the nails <laughs> i was like <laughs> okay but once the nails are kind of silly <laughs> i i think it's it's too dated for it to have actually scared me as a kid you know it'd it be the way it's lit mainly is is what makes it less scary for me if, um, if yeah. this was more modern it would be a lot darker yeah. Uh, because it makes it spooky that you can't see the bright artificial blue on the silly <laughs> rubber costumes, you know? Uh, it lets your imagination do more of the work. Yeah, I don't think I was scared as much as I just remember some of the scary moments because it left mm-hmm. an impression on me. Yeah, because you were terrified. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we then cut briefly to Ace and the lady as they're barricading up the the room that they're in and we cut away from them to a russian soldier who gets shot in the knee by uh evil general man is it not and, a meme arrow in the knee uh, it's from skyrim yeah is it yeah okay uh, it, yeah it is it is uh used to be an adventurer like you until i got an arrow in the knee yeah um that's what about 90 percent of the guards say whenever you walk by them uh or they go uh let me guess someone stole your sweet roll uh terrible impression but line for line accurate uh anyway the <laughs> the russian guy gets shot in the knee as captain general bad dude is like ah you russians were never our allies you were you're always going to betray us so i'm just doing it first and then that guy is like yeah well screw you 
and then the general dude can't think of a good comeback, <laughs> so he just leaves. Like he doesn't even kill the this Russian dude who could still destroy because he's still got a working gun. He could still destroy <laughs> the machine. Uh, he's just got a bullet in the knee. He's not going to die anytime soon. Yeah, but the the general storyline here just feels kind of wasted. He's just wandering around room to room, just seeing <laughs> who he can shoot. <laughs> so run out of stuff to do, and they haven't killed him yet, you know. Uh, but yeah, not killing the Russian dude makes literally no sense to yeah. me. I don't understand why they didn't do it. They're killing people off in every scene. Why not just kill off this guy as I well? I know. Uh, where, where do we go after that? Uh, we then go to Ace, the lady, and the baby. Uh, and it's a pretty decent scene. Uh, it's it's not the best scene. I found myself... Uh, it's not the best scene with them. It's like every scene with them is good, but it's, this isn't the strongest scene with them. Uh, I find myself not really listening to what they were saying because I kept getting distracted by the baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the baby <laughs> looks at the camera, looks at the blue mic, looks at everything. Yeah, and it spends a long time looking at the camera. Um, um, but yeah, this scene is basically Ace just talking about the events of Ghost Like for his old house that I felt evil in and I just had to burn it down, you know, as you do. Yeah, yeah, a reasonable reaction to things. Uh, <laughs> and then vampires burst through the windows, and it was a moment where I went, oh my god, the baby, because the lady leans forward, and clearly the baby wasn't expecting her to lean forward, and she kind of hits its head off her shoulder. Uh, I was like, Jesus Christ. And then they, we like cut, and they're like walking about, and they're carrying the baby and lifting it out through this window. The baby does not need to be in these scenes. Yeah. Like, uh, so the reaction to the herbivores jumping through the window was a real reaction because the director wanted a natural reaction so he didn't tell them what would happen and when. So suddenly we just got a big fright, which, yeah, with a baby, that's yeah, a bit of a dangerous that, move. That seems like a bad move to do when you've got a baby and then on set. later on, when we're running around in the mud, Sophie Hotridge nearly dropped the baby because she slipped, <laughs> which is, again... But um, he, the director really was insistent on getting a real-life baby and not a doll because obviously the baby comes into play in this episode and if you're distracted by a fake baby, it feels less authentic. I'm distracted by the real baby. <laughs> I'm not focusing on the plot because I'm like, they're going to hurt this baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or the baby's gooing and guying and messing up the audio takes. <laughs> like... Yeah, it, it feels like a lot of these shots you could have just been off-screen or, you know wrapped up entirely so you don't see it whether or not it's a real baby yeah yeah uh like you like you could have scenes with the real baby when they're sitting down talking yeah and then when the action scene comes oh it's got a cloth over its head you know and, and yeah. you would not lose anything from it um but uh meanwhile the doctor has been trying to set up a chessboard inside a random room that he's in uh and he yeah, he's, finally he's, he's he's in the nipple room yeah and which wasn't Fenric just in there? Didn't we just see Fenric and the blue guy just in that room last yeah, scene? Yeah, but, but, but when he left to kill the straw lady. <laughs> I mean, what? also the, the general yeah. is just oh, yeah, not yeah. seen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a the 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 blocking the locations don't matter at this yeah. point. People <laughs> people are where the where the script says they need to yeah. be. Um, Again, we just we just teleport from place to place. Yeah. Uh, the doctor's setting up this chessboard. He doesn't exactly remember, and then he does remember. Uh, it's it's interesting one. I wasn't expecting it to be like uh, right the last move basically. Like mm -hmm. you know, can you solve? I was expecting it to be like a sit down and do a whole chess game, and then have like a cool discussion with the the villain. But instead, it's like solve this one puzzle, uh, yeah. which which is an interesting choice to make, I suppose. 
Um, but then we cut back to um, Ace and Kathleen as we're running around, and she's Ace is like, oh yeah, just go to my grandma's. And my question is, who is the grandma? Because A, she's telling her grandma to mm-hmm. go to her grandma, so I presume I had that's, this thought. that's, that's I had her this dad's mum. But also, her dad's mum would have been about 20 at this point. And when she turns, and when Kathleen turns up to her grandma's house, she's going to be very confused by his 20-year-old. He's like, so, I'm not a grandma. <laughs> so the, the thought that I had was slightly different than that. Uh, I assumed, because she says, you know, take this to uh, my nan will look after you, that the address that she gives is actually an empty house. Mm. That, you know, it's or it's a house for sale or something. And so when this lady gets there, she's like, oh, nobody's here, but it's, but it's for sale or whatever. You know, I can just move in. Uh, and then it becomes her nan's house because obviously this lady is her nan. And she just kind of forgets that she said that because timey-wimey. Uh, so it's like this self-completing okay. loop, you know. So it became her nan's house because Ace said to go there because it's already her nan's house. Okay, it's, and- it's like this time paradox thing. You can presume that later on the doctor went back in time and bought the house for her nan. Sure, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which is something which will come in like later canon where uh, the doctor will go back to Ace as a toddler and basically apologize for what he does later on in this episode oh, and man. apparently in a book or something. Okay. So, yeah. yeah so, so, yeah, it's like uh, one of those self-completing paradoxes, isn't it? You know, when yeah. did when was the original nan's house you know because if the, she lived in that house because she was told to go to that house because ace said that it was her nan's house <laughs> even though it only became her nan's house because ace said to go there in the first place <laughs> like it's that's a, fun, a great theory <laughs> yeah it's a fun paradox but uh, they send they you know they drive off of the car there was this really weird moment and i get what they were going for but for me it felt so awkwardly unnatural when uh ace kisses the baby and goes i'll always love you uh i yeah. to me uh, that felt so forced i was like oh i don't buy that like yeah, this is this is a baby she spent maybe four minutes with mm-hmm. and she spent like five minutes with the lady as well it's like yeah the, the the, the, then the lady's like have my baby's headshot uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was even weirder yeah the, the connection is a bit too strong this quickly but you know they have too little time to develop it and mm-hmm. we need to de- develop it obviously and it, it works in the end yeah uh and then we the two vampire ladies start approaching and we cut to fenric and big blue boy uh and you know he's like you know go we're going to destroy the planet and stuff but you've got to get rid of the other two vampires first and i was like why yeah um so in the original extended edition um, before they take the poison line, uh, the scene of Fenric would have opened with him reacting to the doctor making his move. He'd be just he'd just jump suddenly and be like, "Oh, the doctor's made his move!" Um, and then there's also another cut where the the blue blobby guys just like on the other herbivores. Fenric replies with, "Oh yes, they've been so useful. How could we have managed without them? You know how to kill them." Which I presume is just sarcasm. He's just like, oh yeah, we've and not then their guy just doesn't understand it's sarcasm and kills them. I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't understand why he'd want to kill them. And also, right, it doesn't make sense because you have this perfect ploy to kill them right now. 
Yeah. Because Ace is holding a picture of the baby she loves and has faith in. And what did we establish was the weakness of these vampires? The Mm. thing, you know, having faith in objects. Ace could literally just present the picture of the baby and kill these two vampires. And you can kill them in the exact same way and not have this problem of Big Blue Boy turning on the vampires for no reason like (laughs) i don't understand why they didn't do that the picture doesn't play into anything now (laughs) she just has a picture of a baby for no reason yeah that's a great point it's just it's it's, it is really random (laughs) (laughs) but the effect of the two girls melting was really good like you see their skin start to turn gray then they're like clearly like a uh, mannequin with a melted face and then that face turns into like a skull and breaks apart uh, yeah, the, the effect is really solid but you know in the original storyboards it was supposed to be so much more graphic and i'll read a little of course it, it was because this, they again they didn't know they were writing an episode <laughs> of doctor who when they made this uh, so Jean's fingers start to drip. The face melts with her eyeballs slivering past her chin. Fleshy slime gushes out of her trouser legs, leaving only two skeletons. Their skulls, their skulls clash against each other. There's an explosion. One skull bounces across the grass and Ace says, Wicked. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll play for uh, dinner time on a Wednesday. The face melts with her eyeball slivering past her chin. Oh my god. But yeah, John Nathan Turner was like, okay, this is way too graphic for a kid's show. Please don't do this. And this is the version we got, which is good enough, I think. Yeah, I I think it does the same job without being overboard. So Fenric walks into the room behind the Doctor and his chess set. And uh, the doctor's like, ah, you couldn't resist the, 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 the puzzle, could you? Uh, so can Fenric just smell chess? I think so, yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, there's some sort of psychic link between the doctor and Fenric with this game. I'm not exactly sure why or how, but you know. Yeah, yeah. But there, there is, and he's like, "Oh, you're right, Doctor. I can't resist this. That's I got. I got to just take a, a a wee look here." Uh, and <laughs> and he goes to try and solve the puzzle. It, it's it's like me and you, and we used to play Scrabble online. <laughs> yeah, and then I beat you all the time, and you got upset, and now we don't do it anymore. Oh yeah, that's certainly how it went. Oh yeah, it, it took like a year and a half. For you uh, to beat me, for, yes. for me to start beating you, and then I start beating you consistently. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, uh, I, and I also think... we we don't do it anymore because Messenger doesn't have the game anymore. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and also I don't like you. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. fair. But no, yeah, yeah, I got good at Scrabble, <laughs> just to beat you. Um, but we then cut to a uh, random British soldier who wanted to be friends with the Russians again. Uh, and he's car- he's trying to pick up the Russian with the, the sore knee uh, outside of the, the Ultima machine. And Captain General Bad Guy comes back in and he's like, <laughs> you, you walked in. Is this just- he's just waiting for people to go into this room so he can shoot them in the knee. Uh, like- <laughs> yeah, it, it is really weird. He just didn't kill them. And obviously he gets shot in this scene. which Yeah, is- he, he gets shot by the Russian dude he failed to kill last time and he died eyes uh and it, it it feels like the writer wanted something more dramatic here but he got he he was suddenly had a deadline coming up and he was like oh shit i forgot to write this part and i have to really quickly rush in it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't really add anything to the story 
He could have oh, died. It just gets, it just, it, yeah, it just gets rid of a character they had nothing left yeah. with. You know, he could have just got killed by that Russian dude. You know, yeah. when he gets shot in the knee, the Russian guy then just shoots him like, ha ha. Like, like you know, Fanrik just killed um, Judson's nurse. Why not kill the guy who disabled Judson in the first place? That makes sense yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, that would that would have actually been good. Um, we then cut to the Doctor, who is suddenly underground with Big Blue Boy. How either of them ended up there, don't ask. Um, they're just there now. Yeah, this this scene in the extended cut lasts about a minute more, and it still doesn't doesn't explain why the Doctor is suddenly down here. Yeah, yeah. or why the Big Blue Boy is there, because that's not where we left him. <laughs> you, you know, um, but the this is where the Doctor is like he's kind of monologuing at the big blue boy and he's like you know you come from the future full of slime and gross stuff and you got traveled back in a time storm and it's he's talking about a bunch of stuff i don't really care about he's basically just threatening the big blue boy like you know this is this will be your undoing this is what you're, you've messed up here boy and i'm gonna absolutely destroy you yeah uh, so but- in the extended cut he kind of explains what is going on and how he's connected to fenric uh, so mr blobby is like I am the last, the last living creature on Earth. I watched my world dying with chemicals and I could do nothing. My world is dead. The doctor replies with, You're very patient. Carried back thousands of years in a time storm to 9th century Transylvania, then waiting for a thousand years more. The ancient one says, Without the flask, I was trapped. The doctor says, Yes, the flask. I trapped him like an evil genie. Ancient one says, "He, he Only he can return me to the, to the future. The doctor says, so you're like a faithful servant. You followed the flask. And then the ancient word is like, um, a merchant bought it from Constantinople. I followed him through Europe. I followed the Viking pirates who stole it. Followed it here. And the doctor says, another of Fenric's games. Which adds so much. It makes a lot more sense, kind of. <laughs> it, it, it makes more sense as to why Fenric and the big blue boy are friends. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make me care. Yeah, fair uh, like like I I I do not have any connection. Big Blue Boy just seems like a villain, you know. He's just generic monster villain because they need to have a monster sidekick, you know. I I, I uh, don't see him as a villain. I I see him as kind of like a misunderstood kind of hero. Kind of he he just he just wants to return to his future and he's just doing what he does to get to his. Uh huh. What we know? we get when we get introduced to him, you know, he's monster villain guy, and then we get that discovery of maybe he wasn't such a bad dude after all when he commits suicide. Um, <laughs> spoilers. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's I I still don't know if I think the vampires are even needed in this story. You know. Uh, yeah. I'm I mixed because in the end, it all adds up. Like every plot point makes sense in some sort of way you can't have one without the other but at the same time when you're watching it you're like okay does this need to be here yeah is it really yeah i feel like you could come up with the way for you know it to end without needing the vampires but yeah. the vampires i guess give it that kind of b-movie feel yeah the vampires also add the whole faith element which is mm-hmm. important to what ace goes through later like, or at least it would be if she actually killed the two vampire girls and didn't just have them killed for her. That would have been such a poignant moment for her yeah. character. <laughs> like, yeah, there is a bit too much elements going here. It's like too much elements and it, it all adds up in the end, but it's just, 
it's just kind of complex and it all doesn't... adds up but it's just a bit jank yeah like, <laughs> fair enough uh but we then we then go to ace who comes bombarding into the room where fenric is working on the chess set and he's not having a good time he's like almost melting onto the table like i don't know the solution you know and, it's, and it's a really the, good performance and also the actor's eyes are completely bloodshot <laughs> Yeah, I think it adds to the performance, honestly, because it mm. makes him seem like he's more strained and stressed out. You know, yeah. he's tensing himself so much, he's burst the blood vessels in his eyes because he just can't, or he just hasn't blinked in so long trying <laughs> to see the solution uh, to this puzzle, you know? Uh, but he's he can't really see that it's Ace and not the Doctor because he assumes that she's the Time Lord. Uh, mm. And, you know, he's like, you know, just tell me the solution i give up just tell me the solution i can't do this and ace is like oh i have no idea what the solution is bye and <laughs> she, uh she leaves the guy it, as... it is a lot of characters leaving one room to go into another room to go back to the same room they were in before yeah which is what's about to happen with ace because we cut briefly back to the doctor to continue his monologue that we just talked about and yep. then ace walks into the room with the two soldiers the one that got shot in the knee and the one that didn't who are friends now, uh, and there's a lot of communist uh, propaganda sort of stuff <laughs> going on here, you know, where I think that one of the, the communist guys even got the line coming up where he's, workers unite, uh, you know, like, okay, you know, let's do this, Doctor Who revolution. Um, but she walks in to the dude, uh, to the two guys, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're fine, we're friends now, you know, the pawns, you know, uh, work together to, to beat the, the thing. I think there's this really good line where it's uh, wars waged by politicians and we're just, you know, their pawns or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that lets Ace figure out the solution to the puzzle. Dun, some, dun, dun, dun. some really good thematical stuff here is just a lot of... It's just, a, it's just a bit overwritten, I would say. It's just so much subplots, so much characters, and it feels like it could have been tightened up a bit. Yeah, uh, speaking of a lot of plot, we then cut to the Russian guy, uh, the Russian general, who is suddenly where Fenric is. How did he yeah. get there? Don't worry about it. Um, but he's like, it's time to die, Fenric, and he's going to shoot him in the head, which I was like, yeah, fair do. Should have just done it from the other side of the room. <laughs> you didn't need to run up close and then give a wee speech. Uh, but this is a TV show after all. Yeah. Um, and Fenric is like, oh, do you know why you got chosen for this mission? And he's like, yeah, because I speak English. You know, my grandmother was English. Uh, and he goes, yeah, your grandmother was this Emily person who was daughter of this other dude who was mentioned earlier. I forget his name. What was it? Sav David Savanik or something? Something like uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it, basically her dad was part of the Viking descendants. Uh, so like his great grandfather or his grandfather his grandfather yeah uh, was was part of these viking descendants and uh which means that he's got a part of the fenric curse within him which means he's a wolf of fenric which was a line delivered really well by the actor the way that he said that you know it's like you're one of the wolves of fenric yeah. was cool uh and then the russian guy's like huh well yeah well i'm just gonna shoot you uh and we just we look at we like cut away from the scene with a shot of uh fenric's face looking up at the gun and you're left to like oh maybe he got shot but it's that look where it's like oh no something's going on here isn't it you know do, do we ever see judson's body again i don't think we do uh i assume he explodes <laughs> he probably does but yeah um <laughs> But yeah, finally we're realizing, oh yeah, this is why the Russians are here. It's because of this whole lineage of the Vikings. and It's a very convoluted plan, isn't it? It is. 
But you know, part of his character is he likes to play games, and this is something he's been planning for like thousands of years. So it kind of does make sense in a way. Is his plan dependent on the doctor showing up? I I I, I think so. No, no. Tr- let's break cause... down. Hang on, I want to break down what his plan actually is, because so so Fenric's plan create the machine. Mm-hmm. Trick, I guess, the general dude into thinking he's going to be gassing innocent Russians mm-hmm. by putting gas in the machine. Why do you need to put gas in the machine? I guess to lure the Russians to come and you know yes. you don't. It, it doesn't make the sense. The gas in the machine doesn't it. make sense. The gas in the machine doesn't play into anything because you could just have the machine and then get the same Russians to come and take it regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gas in the machine, I guess, was just that dude's original idea. Uh, mm. So the Russians come take the machine. <laughs> Fenric shows up somehow, but even though he's in the white pot, isn't he? Yeah. Isn't that Fe- what summoned Fenric? Yeah, Fenric is in the. Is, he's he's a genie trapped in the bottle. I don't think he has. A- like I'm confused about this. I I don't think he has anything to do with Judson other than Judson has the curse of Fenric. Okay, but the white Which, the, the white jug exploded from behind a wall. Yes. How? Because he was trying to break <laughs> free, I guess. Because you know, like Aladdin, you can see the genie tried to move the pot a little bit, trying to move okay. from the inside. Okay. I guess he has some kind of force. On the outside, the plan of doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't the, make sense. If you remove all of the plot elements of the, that are you know related to the Doctor or Judson, yeah, the the the, the story doesn't make sense. Yeah, and also the curse itself to make the hemophores and their and their only weakness is faith, and it's yeah, it gets really convoluted and messy. But it's 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 it's, it's, it's a fun time. It's, it's yeah, fun. It's, it's good. You just don't have to think about it. Just chuck popcorn in your face that's all you have to do <laughs> so ace comes into the room where now it is russian dude working on the chess set and she doesn't seem to notice or care that fenric seems to have vanished from this room and yeah, she I, tells the solution I, I, immediately i guess he did vanish because otherwise she'd be like oh my god there's a corpse there's a on the floor <laughs> yeah yeah she'd be like oh nice you killed fenric mission <laughs> pro- you know mission accomplished i don't need to tell you the solution to the game anymore um she, but she instead- doesn't she doesn't seem to be concerned about the fact that her almost boyfriend is looming over this chess piece, speaking very sinisterly. See, when she came into the room, she became temporarily blind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she she tells the solution to the puzzle immediately, and the solution is the white pawn and the black pawns team up to take out the king, uh, which is just not how chess is played. Um you try doing go to a tournament <laughs> try doing that see if they let you win um, yeah it's 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 just a metaphor at this point it's like it doesn't make yeah. sense but it's a metaphor that kind of works if you squint real hard at it yeah yeah it's i i'd though you know you could say it was done on purpose to not make sense you know it's a sort of this impossible puzzle that was never meant to be solved mm. because the solution requires cheating uh yeah and also he, do you understand what happens if the doctor wins the game? Does does Fenric just go back into his bottle? Is that what my, happens? My assumption was the doctor can't win the game because he set it up so that the only way to win 
is for the white and the black pieces to team up, which means that Fenric just has to sit there forever, not able to make his next move because he can't follow the doctor's move and so he's got this eternal turmoil of you know what's my play how do, what's my next move in chess and you know at a certain point the timer's supposed to go and you just call it a stalemate yeah. uh but <laughs> it's, yeah yeah it, it, it's it, it it makes sense if you look at it from a distance it's got cracks yeah. if you get start dissecting yeah. it a bit like it, it just makes more less and less sense as we talk about it in this episode it's like okay why is red game what why, why who <laughs> yeah yeah all of those questions um but uh you know new fenric is like oh thanks he turns around and we get a really i think a pretty good reveal the effects much better this time than it was last time off the evil fenric eyes they look huge his pupils yeah. they've made to be just ginormous the eyes look a bit better but you can still see there's a lot of green on the film because obviously we had to darken the room yeah and his eyes also change color the next time they go from green yeah. to red, uh, which just just don't worry about that, I guess. <laughs> but that's what happens to the previous Frenwick when he woke up. It, it sure, green, sure. when all of a sudden this episode were red. You know. Yeah, I don't understand. Maybe they go green when he wants them to glow. You yeah, <laughs> maybe he just they just go green when he's like, okay, I have to reveal to this person that I'm evil now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and this the doctor runs in, and there's some really awkward blocking where behind her, he's like, there's like not a lot of space between her and the door and where the doctor is. Yeah, and he runs in and he goes ace, and then he just stops moving. Uh, and then the camera slowly moves, and then lightning hits the table and fire starts. <laughs> it's this, it's like just slightly awkward uh trying to maneuver around this small set and not yeah. and not quite working um and then yeah, lightning strikes inside as well it's it's very strange it's uh there's open window in the ceiling right <laughs> yeah. uh, you just didn't see it earlier <laughs> even though it's raining and there's no water getting in it that's because it's not raining there uh, it's like yeah, yeah rains, like how, how earlier on it was raining but then it wasn't raining because yeah. the dog tried to be like it's not raining it's <laughs> this is one of those rare cases where it's not raining but there's still lightning yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but it also is raining but yeah it's not but it's not not through the window yeah. where the lightning comes through <laughs> uh, but uh, you know um new fenric starts going on this big monologue where he's like this was all part of my plan all these people you know all these pieces were moving exactly how i planned it and even you ace are part of my plan you see uh that baby that you've grown so attached to uh that is your mother in 30 years time you know she will grow up and have you blah 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 and the whole time i'm just thinking how does he know any of this information when did he how does he yeah. know the baby's does you know uh, well you know he, he he was a guy who planned the whole time storm in ace's bedroom in the first place he planned the whole meeting the doctor part so he, he was behind this whole last two seasons basically yeah but like how <laughs> yeah but how i don't know he how. was trapped in a bottle uh, or I, something I, maybe he did it before he got trapped in the bottle and was like, okay, I'm going to be trapped in the bottle by the doctor, but when I get out, I have to set up all these events See, into play. I've got, I've, I've solved this problem already. Yes. Don't make part of your plan getting stuck in a bottle, <laughs> okay, and just go to the winning part. 
you know, the, the, the being stuck in a bottle part probably wasn't planned. He was like, okay, this is, there's no way to avoid being stuck in a bottle for all these years. This is a guy that can <laughs> plan to the nth degree 30 plus years of this child's life to manipulate Ace, <laughs> but a single game of chess makes him just stop dead in his tracks. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, it's not it's, great. It's not great when you really think about it, but it's have, great. It's great in terms of what it does for future of Doctor Who. You know, the modern era does shit like this all the time. Whether it's like all these weird coincidences that bring the Doctor and the, uh, Donna together, or mm-hmm. when um, Clara got that phone call from Missy in Series Seven regarding yeah. the phone call to the um, to the Doctor, and we didn't find out how the Doctor and Clara met. Who 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 arranged for meeting the doctor and Clara yeah. all those years? Yeah, the the main difference of those are they make sense. They make sense. Uh, whereas this is just kind of an omnip- omnipotent villain that was like, I was behind it all along. <laughs> Even though like nothing was ever set up that he was actually behind it, he's just saying that he is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Whereas that stuff had set up previously, and that's just I think t- television plots becoming more complex evolving yeah uh you know and being able to tell that story in a cohesive way whereas now whereas back then you didn't really have that opportunity and this was really you know the big monster monologue was the only time that mm. you could do it uh but yeah it's it's interesting i don't buy fenric as a villain i don't buy that he's this omnipotent genius guy i think his monologue's good i think the performance from the russian dude's really good i just think there's so many convenient inconsistencies with yeah, his I, I, story i totally agree with you um but I, I like fenric as a character just i don't believe he was involved all those years ago and yeah it wasn't written that way in the first place so it was it was like a last minute ad- addition just to be like okay why did ace get caught in a time storm it doesn't make any sense and this is a explanation he's trying to shoehorn in two years later yeah 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 i love but, stuff like that but you know, this does a lot for Modern Who. This is basically the template of what Modern Who is to the Modern Companion, you know? I think it would be interesting, um, you know, Fenric's very much dead, but when has that mm. ever stopped Doctor Who? Uh, to have Fenric come back in a more modern era, Yeah. You, you know, try to have this omnipotent, super genius villain with a more modern Doctor Who script, with a writer that can deal with something that complex... Uh, could be an interesting villain to see. Maybe he was behind the timeless child all along. Ha ha ha! Yeah. You could just say it. He, if there's anything that doesn't make sense, <laughs> Fenric is part of his plan. So yeah. timeless child, yeah, Fenric's planning that, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, what else doesn't make sense? Can't ride a bike. That's part of Fenric's plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. everything. I, 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 I don't Fenric. think it's I don't think it's a case of like bad writing. It's just a case of there's not enough time to really establish what's going on here. And he's I think I think the main thing is the writer is trying to be a bit too ambitious in what's going on here because this is the first time Doctor Who has ever done like a multi-season arc, quote unquote, because this wasn't intended to be an arc, but it kind of is. But yeah, it's just, it's basically the first time, and he's I think he's doing a doing a decent job. It's just. It's it's kind of primitive in terms of what we expect today as a modern audience. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's cheesy fun. 
Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's a big cheesy villain. Uh, strangely, it kind of to, to me anyway. I think it would make more sense if it was just the master. You know, the master just planned to set Ace mm. up for failure just to mess with the doctor, and we get the master in the next story anyway. You yeah. know, it's it's a bit samey samey having the master be the villain all along for Doctor Who. But at least there's that connection. I I think just having Fenric have no connection, but him be the mastermind behind all of this is really like even if you did an episode two seasons ago where you see the Doctor defeat Fenric, mm-hmm. and then we get this reveal now that he actually you know wanted to lose in that episode two seasons ago, and this was all part of his plan to set this thing up. I think that would make it work better for me. It's the fact he was created just for this episode uh, that doesn't isn't sitting with me. I like that this is a a villain from the Doctor's past that we've never seen before. I just think the Absolute itself should have focused a bit more on the whole Fenric thing, because Fenric only really has one episode to do anything in. He just pops up at the end of part three and just mm-hmm. kind of I mean, the just Doctor's goes, like, I, I'm the villain now. I, by yeah. the way, I did everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like maybe if this had another part or another two, two parts, this could have been expanded on a bit more. You know, right? You know, just a bit more focus as well. It's it it falls into the episodic nature of or or how self-contained each of these Doctor Who stories are in Classic yeah. Who, because again, if this was more modern, Fenric would have been mentioned in yeah. a previous in a previous episode, or you know? or like in the background, written on yeah. a piece of paper, like Saxon or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, or it would have been little seeds. Yeah. you know planted throughout so that that big reveal comes and you get that oh my god it's finally fenric and you feel like you know who this character is without them just dropping out like a ton of bricks on top of your head but yeah that just comes with modern plotting and planning uh, yeah. <laughs> like... I-, I like this twist in premise as well though like I-, I i honestly don't think we'd have modern who being modern who without this kind of twist you know Russell T. Davis kind of perfected it with his, you know, the whole domestic lifestyle of the, uh, the TARDIS companions. This is bits in here. This is like the first time we get to know Ace's mum or any companion's parents or whatever. And also the whole story arc, the idea of a story arc containing in several seasons, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it works in principle. It's just it doesn't work in 1980s Doctor Who because they're so, yeah, as you said, self-contained format. It doesn't mm-hmm. really work in terms of like... It needs to be like a season-long kind of arc in the background. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a a fun premise and uh you know a for uh what what's the word a for effort you know kind of d minus for execution like <laughs> like it's a good idea executed not in the best way. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I I I like for this. This is season twenty-six. The last few years of this show wasn't that great. It starts picking up at season. 25 but this is when the show is trying to take risks it's trying to take itself in the new direction of being it for the 21st century kind of even though the 21st century wasn't near yet but you know what i mean it's trying to change itself so it's mm-hmm. it keeps being renewed yeah which doesn't work yeah it, uh. <laughs> yeah, it, get, it gets cancelled when it's get sent to america for a year the rest is history the rest (laughs) is history but the scene continues where you know fenric is basically giving the doctor an ultimatum at this point where he's like you know i'm gonna kill ace if you don't kneel and submit to me and the doctor goes okay kill ace (laughs) which is 
Yeah. Did it's, you see this coming? Do you did you know I, about this? I didn't knew nothing about this. Uh yeah. I did not see it coming and I thought the doctor's monologue that he goes into now where he's like, You think I care about this person? You know? The you know, they can't even pass their chemistry tests, so this useless teenager. I only brought them along because I knew you were planning something. I was setting you up for failure type deal where it's like, Jesus Christ <laughs> You know, it's this sudden turn where uh Sylvester McCoy is just this evil man suddenly you know yeah um ian briggs the writer of this episode said the doctor could be interpreted as the villain of this season which is like 100 percent fair because like he straight up psychologically abuses ace in this scene mm-hmm. yeah he he makes ace think that their entire relationship has been a fallacy that he is just simply leading her on to for her to die yeah you know that he is setting her up just so he can beat this villain you know that he cares absolutely nothing about her uh it works it works really really well uh i think and, sylvester mccoy kills it oh with this performance yes. like, and uh, apparently this goes on into the big finish storylines where apparently ace stops traveling with the doctor at one point because she's like i can't deal with this manipulation anymore i have to leave you which is i mean fair enough you go girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and, you know, this causes Ace to break down. And um, before the big blue boy, I forgot to mention this, couldn't do anything because Ace's faith in the Doctor was so strong. And mm. now that her, she's broken down, that faith's no longer there. And big blue boy can uh, attack almost. But instead of attacking the Doctor and killing the Doctor, he starts backing Fenric into the gas chamber. Uh, I, I forget why he does that. Uh, and also Fenric, I'm pretty sure, probably has a gun on him. Uh, yeah. he, but he, also the the guns don't work against these hemivores. Okay. Only stakes. Oh yeah, yeah. It just knocks them. him knocks him down, doesn't it? Well, yeah. he might have a stake on him. He's been fighting them this whole time. But it's just this. He starts back. He starts slowly backing up and being like, "Hey, no, listen to me. I told you to kill them." What? It's it's that classic Doctor Who villain sort of getting turned on by their own creation. Uh, yeah. And then they, they, he just gets killed by the gas and dies. It's to me an incredibly unsatisfying ending to Fenric. he just gets defeated in two sets he gives his big evil monologue the doctor gives an incredible monologue back yeah. and then he dies that's yeah, it, it's underwhelming and i think part of it also is due to the staging of the whole scene because apparently they shot a lot more in this scene but they lost all of the close-ups because somebody on set just destroyed the footage by mistake so a lot of his scene is in wide shots instead, which is kind of awkward to get around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they get poisoned by the gas, and the whole building kind of starts falling apart as the fire and explosions start spreading. Presumably more lightning has struck indoors somehow. Um, <laughs> and the doctor's like, come on, we've got to get out of here. And Ace just shouts, kind of, you know, leave me alone, and goes running out the building. Uh, and then we cut to the outside to the muddiest grass you've ever seen in your life. I think it's mainly, there's not even grass to be seen. It is just brown mud. Uh, mm -hmm. they, go, they go running. Ace slips and falls on her knees. Uh, the doctor slips and falls and just slams his hand into the mud, yeah. which when he stands up, he like flicks this huge chunk of mud off his hand and his hand is just pure, like <laughs> brown from the mud. Uh, it is, <laughs> I cannot imagine how gross that would have yeah. been. Yeah. I mean, but... in the next shot, it's magically gone. Uh, Sylvester McCoy in the audio commentary is like, okay, maybe, you know, how the doctor is a time lord. Maybe he has magical skin that just gets rid of Turks. <laughs> so easily <laughs> that's a headcanon explanation i've never thought of see before. what happened is when he fell 
he uh-huh. cut he cut his hand on a stone that was in the mud and mm-hmm. so his hand regenerated that skin <laughs> uh, as it was regenerating it also dissolved all the mud that was on his hand yeah that's fair you know used a little bit of regeneration energy uh, which is fine because he got an unlimited amount as the timeless child. See, it's all connected. <laughs> God's uh, sake. <laughs> uh, but this is where the doctor goes on to say that, you know, he had to say these things because he had to break that faith that Ace had uh, in the doctor. And, you know, he's trying to rebuild that relationship that he just destroyed in yeah. two seconds flat. And obviously Ace is kind of a bit hesitant into uh trusting yeah. him she's just uncro- uncontrollably sobbing in her knees it's like it's really heartbreaking for her so we get no don't start the next episode for Fox, <laughs> I paused it okay well we're going straight into episode 12 <laughs> uh so the the episode we get our last scene where the doctor and ace are sitting on some rocks by the the lake where the vampires came from and Ace is trying to come to terms with the fact that that child was her mother, you know, because she has yeah. this horrible relationship with her mother, yet she loved that baby so much. Uh, and the doctor's like, you know, sometimes love and hate are one and the same thing, and it can be really hard to deal with that sort of thing. Uh, and then Ace dives into the water, and we get some shots of her swimming as we hear the voiceover, where she's like, I love you so much, baby. Uh, you know, it's 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 quite cheesy, uh, you know. <laughs> it's cheesy, but yeah, the intent, the intent here is that Ace is basically giving herself a baptism. Uh, Catherine is saying, it's all right, Audrey. Ace is saying, I'll always love you. And there's going to be a third voice of Ace saying, I hate you, mum. And the effect wasn't that any of the voices were stronger than the other. It was Ace accepting all three truths, but everything was going to be all right and that she both loves and hates her mother which 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 kind of works in theory but not as it doesn't work as well in the actual episode i don't think it carries that weight across no i don't think it carries that weight across either uh but she she comes out of the off the water and somehow the doctor is on the other side of the beach (laughs) stone dry don't know how he did that or how he beat ace there but uh she's coming out and the doctor's and she's like oh i'm not scared anymore doctor and the doctor's like, oh, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then they see the big silly sign that says dangerous undercurrents. And the doctor's like, well, I don't think we have to worry about that anymore. And he goes, Niet, uh, which, of course, is uh, French for no. Uh, yes. I, t- <laughs> Spanish? No? I thought it was Spanish. It's Russian. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's Italian. No. Um, <laughs> but they you know and then we we cut to the credits to me this ending i feel like it's they're trying to tag on this happy ending because it's a very dark and Mm. miserable ending to the episode where the because it's like oh the doctor and ace's relationship they're joking and they're happy with each other again uh but it's to me it's got this level of superficiality to it where maybe it feels like they're more projecting that they're like let's just pretend everything's okay ha 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 mm. uh when everything isn't actually okay i almost think it would have been a braver ending to end the episode with the doctor being like i need you to believe me ace you know i just said yeah. that yeah you know uh i think that would have been a way more interesting ending than the oh no they're fine don't worry about it yeah Wash that would have been clean. really strong ending yeah um i think in the next episode she contemplates leaving the doctor which i'm not sure for which reasons why i think i would have worked better if it was like oh yeah i i kind of don't like you anymore doctor Mm -hmm. you just you just broke my heart Mm -hmm. jesus christ man yeah that 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 i think would have been a really powerful ending 
rather than this like fine ending we get like yeah. it's a it's a fine ending and it's got this good character moment with ace but i don't think it's the strongest ending you could have had yeah but you know this is actually one of those rare opportunities in classic who where you know the, the companion went through a character arc did you forget the companions had characters because most of the other writers did uh yeah, I mean, it's a problem that even bled into more modern episodes of Doctor oh Who, boy. isn't it? <laughs> oh, boy. You know? But, but, um, but man can't ride bike, but then he could ride bike, kind of. Yeah, but but <laughs> but man had cancer, then he no have cancer, but we no talk about it. Too awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Lady gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and then boy. what's the point of being alive? Yeah, <laughs> I, I unironically love Dan. He is my favorite Chibnall companion. He, he is, is the best. He's so good. Um, yeah, um, Curse yeah, of but that that brings us to the end of Curse of Fenric. So, looking, what is your opinion on these all four parts, Scott? You asking me? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not asking myself. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is a really strong production in terms of what's on screen. The the cast is really solid. Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldridge are excellent as always. The supporting cast is really fucking good. Whether it's the priest or. Uh, the grandmother or the actor who's playing Fenric, not the second Fenric, but the first Fenric. You know who I mean, Dr. Judson, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really solid um, production overall. I think it's the one letdown is with the writing, but I don't think the writing itself is bad. It's just trying to be way overly ambitious for Doctor Who in the 80s. But it is a fucking fun time, and I would recommend it to people who just want to check out any old Ace story, because obviously she's coming back in the Centenary Special, and I think this is Ace in kind of her shining moment. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I think I would agree with a lot of that. Um, I there are There are characters in this that I think don't add anything. Mm. Or, or, or you know, you wouldn't lose anything if you didn't have them. So the, uh, do you remember the weird, annoying lady that's like, don't go to the beach. Uh, <laughs> don't need her. You know, I think there is there's some really strong performances. There's some great monologues, which is my favorite thing in classic Who is when you know characters talk. Uh, you know that, and the way that Fenric gets defeated is through the Doctor talking you yeah. know it is this like five six minute long monologue between the two of them uh and then you know he just kind of dies which is unsatisfying you know if he could somehow talk his way into being defeated or something like that i don't know how you'd end that scene really but i I like that it ended with them talking with one another rather than them punching or exploding or you know setting a trap to blow up in uh them just sitting there talking and the doctor having to betray the trust of his companion to defeat this guy i thought was really cool uh i think ace is definitely the most interesting classic who companion yeah you know as far as the ones that we've seen because i remember her yeah. um if you remember what she goes through like obviously sarah jane smith we covered her and we love sarah jane smith yeah. but do you remember anything she says or does in that episode apart from leave uh no. she she walks around the nuclear facility <laughs> for 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh 
<laughs> I think it's more five minutes. It was yeah. it was like a huge chunk of the episode, though. It, it but, felt like that's what this episode is good for. It didn't have any walking around for no reason. It kind of did, but it didn't. It really had do. teleporting around. Yeah, <laughs> which is a lot more interesting than just walking around. You know, it's a lot more confusing. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but like the the classic companions, besides Sarah Jane, who's obviously iconic, that I could tell you that we that that we've met the scottish guy in the kilt yeah um and then a bunch of the same lady wearing a different wig and in different eras because every single other female companion right. feels like the same person uh you yeah. know after like even it's a problem that doctor who's had since the start with the female companions you know susan leaves and then they the next episode they're like another young girl that looks like susan yeah, yeah come on board uh and she's like basically the exact same as susan uh, there's this you know just generic female character to travel mm-hmm. with the doctor whereas ace feels like something different and she's a communist that was something <laughs> we discovered as well communism was really big in this episode um yeah yeah i i, I did enjoy the, this thing uh, and i was thankful it was for four-parter yeah uh, you know I- I, I also like this episode, you know, it's a dark Doctor Who episode and it goes all the way with the darkness, you yes. know, the, and it has some amazing themes in terms of like war and having faith, you know, whether it's religious faith or faith in the people you love, which yeah. is a really yeah, interesting Just imagine if that ace had that really poignant moment <laughs> using the faith of that baby to defeat the vampires, but you know then what, later I, finding out that her faith in that mm, child was yeah. actually her mother and she doesn't have faith in it after all, you know, or maybe she does and she's got this internal conflict within her herself uh and then their faith with the doctor shatters and she's you know only got this mother thing and yeah you could have had this really cool character moment but instead nah blue guy kills him i do that's honestly it's bugging me it's yeah. that point doesn't make any sense i don't know that's what that's completely <laughs> fair i think i think curse of fenric is a messy episode but yeah. it's a fun episode it has some amazing scenes it has some amazing cinematography it has some amazing acting it's it's a fun episode and the extended cut is worth buying on blu-ray or dvd or whatever it's worth watching for that yeah it's a really solid story yeah, very it's very just, good episode. it's just it's just messy but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's classic you in every episode though there's always yeah. a bit of mess uh but that does oh, bring mess. us speaking of mess yeah me hey uh that does bring us to the end of the episode uh email us at who watches who pod at gmail.com with your curse of fenric theories what's your opinion on ace you know uh, do you have a favorite companion that you can remember besides ace probably not um, are you looking forward to ace coming back this year in like yeah. four months Three why months? would you be chipnell's writing it uh <laughs> you know it's i cautiously optimistic and yeah, that nah, as as always but yeah oh yeah no. uh, we we spoke about how this story has too much elements think about the centenary special there's so many characters and the doctor has to regenerate and there's they also have to wrap up a billion plot lines it's, it's gonna be messy yeah that's for sure yeah, so send us an email at whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com with all of your doomsday saying about Doctor Who. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at Who Watches Who, on Twitter at Watches Doctor. We are available on YouTube and video form at Who Watches Who, and this podcast is available in audio form wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's links in the description for everything, even our email address is in the description. Just have a wee old look there and you'll see it. And what have we got coming up next week, Scott? It's something Ooh. pretty 
too big, oh isn't boy, it? Oh boy, yes. Next week we are doing Doctor Who and the Daleks, which is the 1965 Peter Cushion movie where uh, Peter Cushion plays Doctor Who and with his granddaughters Susan Who and Barbara Who and also Ian. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, it's uh I'm looking forward to watching it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to experiencing this for the first time. Uh, it's it's, I feel like I'm gonna hate it, uh, but <laughs> yeah, from what I remember, the sequel is so much better. So I, it'll be interesting to see how much we hate this movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that is coming out next week because it is the one year anniversary of Who Watches Who next week does not feel like it. it's fucking mental <laughs> one whole year of who watches who it's zipped by and there's still so many doctor who episodes we've got we still haven't covered the first or the sixth doctor yet i know yeah it's <laughs> like <laughs> that's after a year we still yeah. haven't covered every doctor uh yeah it's and it's... we and we just finally got around to the seventh doctor almost mm-hmm. a year in fucking yeah. mental yeah yeah cut it close with him uh but we will see you next week with doctor who and the daleks bye bye <laughs>